Welcome back to the podcast, folks. In a sec, we'll be having the chat with Spencer and Kathy. However, first, a little bit of admin. Few people asking where the podcast videos are. I have created a new YouTube channel specifically for the podcast. So check out the show notes for the podcast and there will be a link to the new channel there. Don't forget to subscribe and like and share to your heart's content. We are sponsored this week by Ultimate Add-ons. Ultimate Add-ons are the premium manufacturer of mobile phone and action camera mounting solutions for motorcycles. With a kit for any bike and a proven track record of creating products that keep your devices safe, secure and easily accessible, the Ultimate Add-ons product range is ideal for any rider from the commuter to the -the round-the-world adventurer. Why shell out on an expensive GPS system when you could use your smartphone, keeping it charged and within reach to take photos of your travels at the same time? Ultimate add-ons waterproof, shockproof and dustproof tough cases are available for all flagship smartphone models and are designed by riders for riders. Find out why Ride Magazine gives Ultimate add-ons their coveted Best Buy certification. Keep riding this winter with Ultimate add-ons. It's all about the journey. And if you head to ultimateaddons.com and use the code Teapot110, you'll get 10% off. That's T-E-A-P-O-T-O-N-E with the number 10, Teapot110, for 10% off. We are also sponsored by Transfor Limited Digital Solutions. Transfor Digital Consultancy are a web design and development consultancy with a passion for creating bespoke digital solutions for everyday challenges. From building websites to building branded solutions, Transfor Digital Consultancy can help your online presence and help ease cash flow with payment options available too. Contact ask at transfor.solutions. That's transfor, T-R-A-N-S with the number four solutions for more information or visit transfor.solutions. Now I use Transfor Limited Digital to host my websites, both the chickenstrips.co.uk and teapot1.com websites. I design websites myself and I've handed them over to them to do all the hosting and, and deal with the whole back end and the shop, the online store, everything like that. Lastly, we are also sponsored by Enov. Now, as usual, I don't really have any set blurb to read out from Inov. The products pretty much speak for themselves. I've done a few videos now. I initially bought the C5 single camera. Um, I did a sort of installation vid and a vid review on that. Inov liked it, picked it up, gave me the K2, asked if I'd do the same with that, which I did. Then they came on board as a, a an official channel sponsor for Teapot One. Uh, And I have now done installation and review vids for the K5, and I've just done the review of the K3. They're great dash cam style systems. The K series are dual camera systems, so you get a camera for the front, a camera for the rear. They've got an external mic. They've got GPS overlay to show exactly where you were. The video quality of these cameras now is, is so good. You can actually integrate them into some of your own vlogging or trip videos. Videos, and that's exactly what I plan to do this year now that we can get out there and hit the road. So keep an eye on the channel and you will see lots of their footage being intermingled with my standard GoPro and phone footage, drone footage, everything like that. Can't recommend them enough, folks. They really are pretty much the pinnacle of motorcycle dash cam systems at the moment. Head to innov.co.uk. It's I-N-N-O-V-V forward slash T-P. One. Okay, folks, let's head on with brew time number 50. 
And this week we're talking with two real characters from the motorcycle overland world. Spencer Conway and Kathy Nell. They are two of life's gems. It is always an absolute pleasure to catch up with them. They are currently stuck in Mexico at the moment due to the whole pandemic situation. Now, we did the call via Zoom. There's a little bit of a delay at times, but the fun is constant. These two are a real laugh. It was an absolute pleasure to catch up with them. Folks, Spencer Conway, Kathy Nell, enjoy this one. No, I'm terrible. I'm sick of this <laughs> lockdown. <laughs> How <laughs> is it over there? I'm going crazy. You're in Mexico, aren't you? Is that where you are just now? Yeah. Yeah, and, we're, in, um, we're in a place called Zicatella. It's like a, a, it's a surf place, actually. It's okay. one of the most dangerous surf, uh, surfing areas in the world. But bloody excellent going down. Am I allowed to swear? No, I'm not. Yeah, of course it's you so are. No problem. Going down to, to, okay. It's so cool going down to the beach there because they're proper, proper adventurers in their own way, man. Well, extreme sportsmen. Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a plaque up there on the beach. It's about two-minute walk from us uh, of about 15 people that have died. Because wow. it is absolutely intense. You know, from the youngest guy is like 15 and the oldest guy that died was like 71. So, I mean, you know, if it's in your blood, you just do it. But yeah, all the all the extreme guys come here. So we've got all the beards and braids and hippies yeah, and that yeah. here at the moment. What side's that on then? Is that on the east or the west of of Mexico? Yeah, we're we're we're, we're on the south coast. It's about eight hundred kilometers from Guatemala. Oh, okay. It's nice. it's called the Mexican pipeline. All right. Why is that then? What what happens there? <laughs> It's to do with the waves. Because oh, it's right. a, the light, yeah, yeah, it's the term they use. That looked rude, didn't it? Yeah, she's, she's just being rude. Sorry, man, you know, lowering the tone of the conversation. I, yeah, I the, thought it was maybe a pipeline for something else in Mexico. I wasn't, I wasn't yeah, sure. Yeah, well, no, none of that. No, you, oil pipeline. Oh, oil yeah, no, it's a great place. It's a great place. It's a good place to get stuck. And this prison that we're in at the minute, we scored it for eight pounds each. Wow. Uh, and I... And it's, we've got an apartment, man. I mean, literally, it's the poshest we've ever been because I'm sure you know we camp and rough it all the time. <laughs> I know. So yeah, it's yeah. been really cool. It's been really cool. So we've got like a little kitchen. We bought like a, a stove for like three quid. Wow. Uh, so Kathy can make curries and stuff like that. So it hasn't been so bad. Fantastic. I mean, That's good so I can also cook as well. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sex, <laughs> sexist though. This is going well. <laughs> Start as we mean to go on. Speaking yeah, of which, I think right, cheers, man. Crackatinny, slang. Oh, there we go. Good Good and thanks a lot for having us on here, Bruce. Man, really appreciate it. Thanks, mate. It's absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on. <clears throat> yeah, it's been a while since we. Um, I think the last time we met up would be was it the 2019 Overland event. I think so, yeah. I think yeah, it yeah, that was, was the last time, yeah. Because we've been we've been here almost two years now. Um, wow. Went back briefly because uh, my mum passed away like three months ago, which is a bit grim. Sorry, dude. Um, very sorry to hear that. Ah, man. But luckily, we, we managed to get back. In fact, it was the easiest flight we've ever been on. We had four seats each because obviously oh. there's not a great deal of travelling going on. So yeah. that was really cool. And I got to see my dad. So, yeah, that was a bit of a grim time. But now we're back here um, trying to fix up the bike. There's a couple of problems with some bearings and things like that. But it should be on the road in the next few days. What, what was that, Kathy? You broke. What was that? 
It's a bit like Trigger's broom at the moment. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. Same. Well, is it the same frame? Is that the, is it the original frame, frame that you've got? <laughs> same frame. Yeah, it's, All yeah, different it's, it's got it's got the same people on it. Yeah, <laughs> the stickers are holding it together. Yeah, I know that feeling. I've got I've got cable ties and bungee cords holding the my my world jigsaw. That's basically held together with cable tie and bungee cord. But oh well. Yeah, we're not um, the, we're not the, we're not the top at maintenance. You know that's the problem. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't really keep it out that much. I mean, it's, the bike's only been washed uh, four times, and that's every time it went through customs. Yeah, uh, I was. Because- yeah, when you have to land in Colombia or whatever, you know, obviously, yeah. as you know, they spray them all down and find all sorts of animals in there and stuff. But uh, yeah, that's, I've actually never washed it since 2009. So that's not very impressive. <laughs> well, it's only going to get dirty it. again, isn't it? There's no point. Exactly. Yeah, but um, it's, um, it, it's starting to get older, you know, it's uh, it's becoming more, more hard work. Um, I'm not talking about Kathy, I'm talking about the bike. <laughs> You're a brave man, brave, brave, or something else. Um, yeah, this is my last I think, interview. <laughs> I think we better um, we better introduce you guys because we haven't done that yet, have we? So, folks, hey. welcome to uh, this episode. I think this is number fifty, brew time number fifty, and we have Spencer Conway and Kathy Nell. Hi, thanks now, a if- lot. No, that's brilliant. It's great to be here, and to be on your fiftieth show, man, is an extra bonus. I just want to just jump in and say everyone loves your shows, Bruce. So, oh, man, thank um, you very much. That's very you kind. Gave, we're glad that you gave up your your job in the constabulary uh, to do this. I think people appreciate it loads. How's it going? You, you having a good time, man? I, I am. Um, it feels like a different life now. That it's it's weird, you know. And obviously, I know I know I was in the old bill, but it it just doesn't feel real anymore almost it's it's crazy it's only been a year but um yeah it's it's tough isn't it? it's covid so it's it's been tough but uh yeah. still here still going so hopefully it can only go it can only go up really can't it bring it on yeah it was a very very rude you can't say things like it can only go up when it happens yeah um i'm just gonna push off you know what the tone is gonna be like here. folks what's that <laughs> Um, no, I, I had a similar thing, actually. I mean, COVID is a bad time to, to, to change jobs and that. But I had a similar thing. I was a teacher, man. I was teaching English uh, in the Seychelles for four years at the university there. And, oh, yeah. uh, I, I never this, knew that. Yeah, 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 man. I was a, I was a lecturer at the School of Art and Design. And um, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a certain type person. I was the only teacher... In the history of the the polytechnic, that wore his sunglasses every day for four years, my students <laughs> never saw my eyes. But that's nothing, Bruce. He was the only teacher who drove into the school bus. Yeah, I did. I had a. I did. I had a. I, I drove into so my own stories. students. Yeah, it was pretty bad actually. It was. Um, uh, we, we were riding and we went off and had a little bit of a party. And uh, I think I'd had a couple of beers. No way, not Seychelles you. Islands. Not you. Well, you know, no, a couple. <laughs> and um, yeah, I came over a hill and I drove straight into my school bus with all my students on it. So um, yeah, that didn't go down too well. But it was a great job. But four years of that, and then I, I kind of probably had a similar thing to you, a bit of an epiphany. And I thought, I'm not a Thai person. I'm not a suit person. I'm in this tropical country at 30 degrees and I'm inside eight hours and yeah. blah, blah, blah. I need to change my life. 
Um, and so you went to England at minus five degrees. Now. Yeah, that's true. A little bit of a change there. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah, but I mean, in, in 2009, I mean, Kathy and I talked about it for ages, but uh, about doing Africa. And uh, I respect her. We had two kids. Um, we've still got them. We haven't bummed them off. <laughs> sold them. Sold them to do the yeah, trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got a good price, though. So got us around Africa. And um, yeah, Kathy just said, look, I'll, I'll look after the kids. Eh? Just go for it. And that's how it started. And then um, wow. I, met a, I met a guy. I was doing it like it was like a fair, you know, a typical English fair. And they asked me to lead it with the motorbike. So we had all these floats and all this stuff. And then this guy came up to me and said, you're going to try and circumnavigate Africa? And I said, yeah. And he said, are you filming it? And I said, no, I'm going to write a book because that was the intention was to write a book. Yeah. And uh, he said, hey, listen, I'm with uh, Diesel Films Discovery Channel, uh, Travel Channel, etc. I make independent films and uh, here's a camera. And uh, he sorted me out with a, a Panasonic HD camera, um, spent about 45 minutes teaching me how to film and then said, off you go, man. And then uh, I went around and filmed it, obviously. And then when I got shot uh, in Somalia, he flew out, obviously, because uh, that was quite interesting. And uh -huh. um, yeah, that, that was it, really. And then I just filmed it. I got back and we took it to Travel Channel and they watched about 30 seconds of it. And then they bought the whole series. So it was really lucky, man. Well, I am basically folks i was just a way to say what's your name where do you come from what you do and um you've pretty much heard the first chunk of it right right there from from spencer um wow that sort of sums up part of what you guys have been up to doesn't it uh, very quickly there's so much we can talk about there essentially you guys are motorcycle overland travelers um, Spencer, you, well, you you circumnavigated Africa. You've now done South America, haven't you? You're going through Central America at the moment. There were plans there, which we can get into in a sec. But you're now basically your your long term plan is to cover every single continent on the planet, isn't it? Circumnavigate every continent. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, I mean, the, if, for, for a few figures, we did. The Africa was 34 countries, so it's every country on the that touches the water. So that was 55,345 wow. k's in nine and a half months. Then Kathy and I did uh, South and Central. So South is 13, Central 7. So that's 20 countries. And we did a little bit of a zigzag. So we ended up doing over 100,000 on that one. Uh, I've done all of Europe, but that was on different bikes. So it doesn't count. Mm. So as it stands officially, we have this bike. We've done those, those two continents. Um, and Mexico, of course, which is a massive country, absolutely massive. Yeah. And I didn't even know, actually, Mexico's counted as part of North America. My ignorance there. So, is it? Yeah, we've done Africa. Yeah, oh, it's strange. That. I found that yesterday. So we've done Africa, South and Central, and basically um, Mexico. So, uh, yeah, as you said, the plan is to try and do every single continent. But it's the same. We're in the same same problem as everybody else, man. Uh I don't want to jump the gun, but we have other plans as well going south the way. But it just yep. depends on what opens because the, there's yeah. big problems with the borders. Well, well, we'll, we'll cover that in a, in a sec. But basically, everything oh. that you've done, you've done that on the is that the 660 Yamaha 660? Is that right that you have? Yeah, it's the Tenere. Yeah, 660 2009. Um, absolutely brilliant. I mean, if people ask me about adaptations and that. 
The only thing I did was I put a pebble on the bottom of the footrest with duct tape just to get it, make it a bit wider uh, and Kathy on the back to make it a lot heavier. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, those are the only adaptations that we've made. Um, and uh, in Chile, I'll tell the truth, in Chile we met the Dakar team, uh, mm -hmm. the Chilean mechanics of the Dakar team, and uh, as a present, he changed, we'd done... 105,000 by then. He said, I'll fit a Raptor 700 quad engine as a present for you guys. Wow. So I was like, and I'll tune up your bike. They did a beautiful job. <laughs> it was. It was yeah. amazing. It was, it was like a different bike. I mean, the, he tuned it correctly. I, I don't know. I'm not so for that business. So it's not the original cylinder head, but the, the Raptor 700 quad is is totally compatible. Um, wow. So, yeah, we've got that. So it is a bit of a trigger spring, as Kathy said. But really, it's the same bike, it. and we want to try get it around every continent, that particular bike. Yeah, I was going to say, is that the plan, is just to use to, to keep using the same, essentially the same bike? Awesome. Right, so the, the last time we spoke, 2019, you guys were heading to... Um, you were going to go and try and cross the Darien Gap, weren't you? And you were going to set up your moto camp. Um, that was in, was that in South or Central America you were planning to set that up? Uh, that was in South America, in Ecuador, mm. Um, mm. in a little place called Banos up in the mountains. It's absolutely beautiful. But, yeah. yeah. Ecuador's stunning, isn't it? I love that it's place. It's incredible. It's an, it's an amazing place. And it was it was going really well, actually. We had uh, Derek Reinhardt, you probably know, I don't know, the Irish guy. Yeah. We had a whole group of those guys turn up. And in the first week, we had 50 bikers, but our land wasn't big enough. And the woman next door wouldn't sell. Uh, decided not to sell. Yeah. yeah so oh. it, 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 was, it was that. But also, Kathy and I are absolutely useless at altitude. Uh, some people can cope with it. I mean, she didn't eat for bloody like three, four months, and it, it was actually affecting us. And it's only three thousand and something meters, but we're not good over two five. I don't know why. Some right. people, you know, born to be mountain climbers. Yeah, yeah. It took us. It took us three tries to get to um, Death Road because you have to go over over um, over three thousand meters. And uh, the first <laughs> the first time we went over, Kathy clapped me on the back of the head. She was like, you're riding rubbish. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but it's the altitude. It, it makes you, it, you act odd and you don't really realize it. It's not just the breathing and all that. It's your decision making. So yeah. some people, it does nothing. But there was a girl who died, I remember. 23 years old, yeah. The night before, and they went on a hiking trip the next day. Wow. And she was a professional. She was going to the Olympics. I'm just going to say, every time you go up, it's a different experience. It's never the same. So you never wow. know how your body's going to react. You've just got to be you know, quite careful. And get down, yeah. But we didn't know enough about um, altitude. We were just riding the bike you know, from um, ground level to 3,000 meters in a day. So mm -hmm. we messed us lungs up a little bit yeah we didn't do yeah, any yeah. of the acclimatizing and, and yeah. if you do it really fast i mean if the, the headache is the worst because it's like real like one of the yeah but it's the ability to ride the bike that's the biggest yeah. problem so you know just if anyone's listening if you feel a bit funny at altitude it's really a good idea to get back down 
yeah. and just give yourself time because you think you're making the right decision. But she, Kathy was correct. I was riding badly. You don't, don't realise what you're doing. Mm, I, I was going to, well, I was just a way to say, I don't think, I mean, I never went, I don't think I went anywhere particularly high when I was doing South America, but I don't, I don't ever remember feeling any effects of it. But as you said, you, you probably wouldn't even recognize it, would you? If you're, if you're by yourself, you just plod on. Yeah. Did you go through Peru? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. um, did, Chile, Peru, Ecuador, Colombia, and then up into central and through that way. Okay. So you you must have done some altitude, but like you say, you didn't really feel it. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Didn't uh, notice it. I think people were were thinking that we were a bit soft at times, but uh, it (laughs) actually wasn't, it wasn't the case. Mate, you can't you can't argue with your body, can you? You know, there's there's certain things that that's as you said, it's just it's your genes. It's 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 just nature for you, isn't it? That's the way it is. Well, we we went up to four thousand seven hundred meters in one day, and we spent wow. nights up there. We got pleurisy from <laughs> Jesus. there. Did you? So that's what. Yeah, yeah. So that's what actually gave us problems. I mean, it's okay now, but I mean, it gave us problems as we were traveling through altitude. So I think that's what affected us most of the time. Yeah. yeah. God, that's so serious stuff. Pleurisy. Yeah, it is, man. But, but uh, talking about health issues, um, we ha- I had one here recently, and we don't need to travel to have issues, but I'll just tell you really quickly if that's all right, man. Um, I had a crash. I, w- I went up 12 stairs. No way. Year. You? Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I know, unbelievable. And I think I was, I don't know, maybe looking at a beautiful girl or something, and um, I, I, I didn't know where I was going, and I planted uh, the bike straight into, um, basically into a wall. And uh, I flew up in in the air and I landed on the petrol tank with my meat and two veg. And uh, one of them's, I've had problems with it since. So I'm just trying to sort out an operation. So I went to the clinic here. (laughs) Kathy needed like just a a general checkup. So I took a translation. My Spanish isn't too hot. So Uh I took this translation in and I said, I'd like to book an appointment for my wife. And I handed it. And she was looking at it. They were both, there was two other women behind looking over and she said, okay, so your wife uh, has a problem with her testicle. <laughs> like, oh, sorry, sorry, man, wrong note, wrong note. That's actually me. <laughs> wife just wanted to check up. I do apologize. My Spanish isn't too hot. Oh, so, brilliant. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, just so the viewers know all the details, I strangled my testicle, so I need to have an operation. We don't want to know. Oh, oh what, you still have it? You've still like got that. I've still got it. I've still got both of them. Why? Do you want, do you want it all no. for it? Yeah, I've had it over no, a mean, year, man. You've had strangled nuts for over a year. Yeah, it's like sitting on a cushion at the moment. Ah. <laughs> a, so- a sore cushion. Forget the beer. Yeah, Have a whiskey or something. Jeez. No, it's actually, it's actually worse than that, Bruce. I've actually crushed something inside. So, um, uh, yeah, they need to work on that as well. So wow. it's ridiculous. Yeah, so um, sorry about this, guys. For all the men, they will go, ooh, and all the women will hopefully go, shame, I'll um, I'll stroke it for you. (laughs) Every bloke listening to this is currently, like, crossing their legs, aren't they, holding their breath. Yeah, and they won't ride again, will they? Oh, my God, no. Have you been riding with that as well? Yeah, yeah, of course, man, yeah. You're a lunatic. And surfing. No, it's all right. Yeah, I stand up and Kathy holds on to my hips from behind. <laughs> I was wondering what you were going to say there. Yeah, no, onto my hips, yeah. No, holds onto my hips. Yeah. 
<laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the way it goes, man. I mean, I, you know, I, I get lost in my own kitchen. I, I fall off chairs. Uh, so um, I've Brilliant. got heavy, yeah. yeah, loads and loads of injuries. Folks, you've you've probably gathered by now what the the tone of of the conversation that's that's going to be going on for the next while. Um, how about? I mean, there's so much we can chat about, guys. How about we crack on with questions? Because obviously, as you'd expect, there are so many questions, and that will just open up a whole new can of worms and different routes that we can go down in in the convo. So. First off, we'll go to Patreon, as always, patreon.com forward slash teapot1. First one, Clive Goodwin. A question for Can- uh, for Spencer, Kathy, and yourself. In all your travels all over the world, has there been one person you've met who still to this day sticks out in your mind for their kindness, weirdness, or bizarreness, and why? Well, that's a good question. God, you guys yeah. must have met so, so many people. Do you want to go first or are you first? Yeah, um, um, I met a girl called Johanna. Uh, she was riding around South America on her bicycle, but she was a mountaineer, and she had an amazing story. It was basically um, a, a friend of hers that was climbing with her died on the mountain, and it was the story of them getting her body off the mountain and all the stuff that she had to go through and, you know, just the strength and the the positivity and she was just absolutely wonderful you know yeah and she was traveling solo she well. was traveling solo i think trying to get away from her demons from that but she was yeah. an amazing woman yeah she always stand out yeah her character wow. she's just amazing but she she also i think it was more her like her positivity yes. towards life mm. she's an inspiration definitely i mean is, what was her, do, you, do you remember what her name was sorry what was her name johanna jan klaus her name was Okay, and she got she got a blog or YouTube or social media or like can people? No, follow? she doesn't. She hasn't actually made a, a public story. It, I think wow. it's something that she's still dealing with. But yeah, yeah. she's on my Facebook. So she's a great woman. Yeah, great story. It's, so inspirational. Yeah. But as far as, as far as I was just going to say, like the the people that you meet, the variety of people you meet when you when you sort of overland travel, eh? That. As you said, as you said there, Kathy, some people have incredible reasons, meanings behind what they're doing, Great and other story. people are just, just you know, they're just hitting the road to see what's out there. It's, it's so varied. Yeah. yeah, we met an English guy. We met an English guy at five thousand meters on a bicycle, and he'd been traveling for seven years, and he'd been to like one hundred and eighty countries at home, and he was just solid as a brick. A little, a little guy that nails uh, yeah. but but for me like brief encounters uh, to answer that guy's questions uh, of who you remember i was in um in egypt and i wanted to go to this place called the qatari depression and it's it's into the into the sahara so i got mm. uh, an extra 10 liters uh, on my in my little bag and another 10 liters of petrol on my front and the 23 liters in the tank and i headed into the desert and uh, i i ran out of petrol so I waited there for a day, and then a guy turned up on a camel, as he does in Glasgow or whatever, and uh, <laughs> he was like, hey, uh, I'll, I'll help you out, man. I'll, I'll go and get fuel. And I waited, and I waited the whole night, and that's, so that's two nights I was there. And then the next day, he turned up with his son on a little 125 with a 15-litre drum of petrol. And wow. then uh, he drove me out and showed me the, the way back to the main route, 
and he didn't want anything at all. And and that was it. My other one that was almost exactly the same, but gets the hairs going, was uh, in the desert. These four guys came up to me with machine guns. And uh, I swear to God, it's on my channel. You, you can check it out. There is a guy with an eye patch and a hawk on it on his shoulder. <laughs> and a hawk. An Arab gear. And a hawk. And a hawk. So it was ludicrous. So they came, they came up to me. I was like, oh, dear. Okay, here we go. They were incredible, man. I'd been in that desert for days. I'd never seen a tree. They said, oh, we're going to cook up some food. One of the guys disappeared. He came back with a bloody log. No idea where he got it from. <laughs> and they made this. It was, it was amazing. They made this meal. And out of nothing, really. And it was bloody excellent. And then we all slept under the stars because, you know, you don't need your tent. And yeah. uh, when I woke up, those guys were gone. But they left a little uh, piece of cardboard um, in the sand next to where I was sleeping with thank you written on it. Amazing. That was amazing. Yeah, Man, so, I, yeah, there's, there's I love kind of that. things. I, I love that about about overland travel in in proper sort of remote places where people, to us, people have nothing, you know, to, they don't have the, um, <clears throat> the the possessions that we we sort of measure success by, do they? But they are some of the most open, giving, and nicest people you'll ever meet in your life, and they don't expect anything for it, do they? And it's hard to it's hard to describe that unless you've experienced it. Yeah, it's yeah, I mean, Bolivia than Salah. Those guys are. I know you can Okay, very briefly, another, just this guy's question again. Uh, we crashed on the Salar at 80 kilometers an hour. Surprise, surprise. The whole tire came off. It's never happened to me in 40 years. Not, wow. It didn't just burst. The whole bloody thing came off the rim. So I'm cruising along, sliding like fast, eh? thinking I'm doing really well here. Again, I get hit on the back of the head. When are we going to stop? I'm like, hey, we're, we're like going to crash and die here. So we pulled it together, but we've been stupid because there's the east, northeast, north, south bit and east, west bit where everyone goes in the cellar. Yeah. But I said to Kathy, let's just go where there's nobody so we can just really film. That's where we had the blowout. So we left everything there, our, our panniers, our, everything. And uh, we headed back to the island and we met these Peruvian guys. And it took us three days. Those guys had been working there for 30 years. It took us three days to find the stuff. And one morning, Kathy was sitting having a cup of tea, and she went, I think it's that way. And they went, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we drove off, and lo and behold, within an hour of driving, we saw this little dot in the distance, and it was our cameras and our panniers and our tent and everything. And these guys were, like, jumping in the air, hugging me as though it was, like, wow. their stuff that they'd lost. And when we got back, I said to them, listen, let's just pretend that we didn't find anything. Keep a poker face when we arrived to Kathy. So we're driving towards Kathy, and they just jumped up. We've got it! <laughs> And they were hugging her and everything. And then I was like, how much do you guys want, man? Three days, Bruce. Nothing. Bruce, Nothing at all. Bruce, yeah. it only took three days because they didn't listen to me. <laughs> yeah, I, you... was left be- I was left behind with this old lady um, sitting on the, on, on the cellar. None of us could speak to each other, but we were having a great time laughing at these lot. Yeah. And I kept telling them, it's over there. It's in that direction. They would not listen to me. <laughs> That's meant for you. How did you, how oh, yeah, did you so know? Like, was it, how, how did we you know where it was? The cellar was wonderful. No, there was a mountain. You know, I, I spotted this mountain. Where, where, <laughs> what, a mountain in South America. Wow. Yeah, yeah. 
it was just a particular shape. In this particular I get you. I get you. But it was great. Yeah, yeah. It was great. So yeah, that answers that guy's questions. And it's like you said just now, Bruce. It's those brief meetings with people that don't have anything, and you actually remember them forever. You, you yeah, don't definitely. have a full relationship. You haven't spent time getting to know them a lot, but it's just such a golden meeting. And you also hope that they remember it too, in a way. Yeah, but I mean, it is, it is one of the best things about traveling. It's those brief encounters that, that you have. And then also after traveling, you know, for a certain period of time, you don't see those differences anymore. You know, you, mm. you don't see the poverty. You don't see... And that's the best part of it. Yeah, especially yeah. when you stay in, like, in Brazil. Oh, when you realize everyone's the same. We stayed in the favelas in Brazil. Uh, absolutely fantastic. I mean, there was a guy uh, that saw, he knew us on Facebook, and um, he got in touch. And he, he had a bike, but he was from a very, very, very poor district. But he gave us his house and his pit bull and said, you guys stay there. The pit bull will look after you. <laughs> and, yeah, and, uh, yeah we, were, we were a bit about that pitbull um yeah but anyway we, we we uh unfortunately we nearly burnt his whole house down oh go on how detail okay so we turn up at this house and this pitbull decides he loves spencer but he wants to eat me okay so right. he was supposed to be locked away that night <laughs> not me <laughs> but spencer never locked him out he left the gate open so the dog could come into the house Mm-hmm. Anyway, we had one of those mosquito coils, you know, that they yeah. burn them. I don't know if you've ever yeah. known. And we left it next to a roll of toilet paper on this counter and it all caught a lot. <laughs> and how it happened was it felt like to the TV and and the wardrobe. But this dog jumped on top of me in, in the dark <laughs> with his face in my face to wake me up with this fire. And myself and this dog were running up and down like crazy, you know, getting rid of the fire and all this rubbish. Spencer slept through the whole thing. No, no way. <laughs> he did. He slept through the whole thing. <laughs> then I was absolutely, I was so scared of this dog. And he was running around after me. He's about as big as me. Yeah. And at the end, we're sitting there and he still looked like he wanted to eat me. And I just went, Connor, you saved our life. You're such a good puppy. And that was it. He was all over me. I was, was going to say, yeah, bed. what was he like? <laughs> Spencer, after all the action, Spencer woke up and I was hugging the dog on the bed. We were lying there. <laughs> but, we, but we obviously look at the guy in mind, man. We burnt his interior, we burnt his wardrobe. Yeah, it was a proper fire. I mean, we off, yeah, we would have burned down the whole favela and had to do a runner or something. So, yeah, so, it was quite lucky, man. Um, I offered was, him some money that we didn't have, but um, he didn't want any. What's it? What was it like then in the favelas? It was fantastic. It was wonderful. We went out at night to walk around and, and it was really, really quiet. I can't explain. Mm. It was dead quiet. And the, the, the little streets, I mean, it's very clean. You know, they keep it all really nice. And then you've got um, 
someone will open a little restaurant, but it's just one plastic table and two chairs. But mm-hmm. you know, that's what they've got. And there's this whole community going on in there, and it's really, really nice. You know? We did wow. we did go to one uh we were filming in one called the Barrio of No Return. So I mean that bloody says it in itself, doesn't it? So what this is, it's a barrio of naked people. So <laughs> A lot of them. So they stand at bus stops, these the prostitutes and that, and they're totally naked. And they're standing next to a businessman with his briefcase and all this, you know? Wow. So I was like, this is really, like, interesting. We've got to go in and check this place out. So we went there. I bet you did. I bet you did. (laughs) I had to look at – I had to take the ins and outs of the place. Um, So anyway. Just research. It's research. It is research, very vital. And uh, we decided not to take the bike, so we went in a taxi and Kathy was filming, but we got spotted. And the next time we turned up, a guy just stopped in front of the car and he pulled out a gun, lent it, and he said, what are you doing? And the taxi driver spoke to him and it was fine. Absolutely brilliant after that. And uh, yeah, he jumped in the back and we had, we had run of the place for ages. But then uh, on one particular day, uh, it was, yeah, it was in the mid-afternoon. We were coming back from one of the shops in the corner of the favela, and uh, we got attacked by five, six people. Um, yeah, that guy tried to stab me in the head, and I managed to grab the knife and I punched him. Uh, Kathy had been, was held by three people. They were going through her pockets and everything. Uh, I punched this guy, he fell down. I stepped backwards into like an 80-year-old man to avoid this guy that was attacking me. And the old man fell yeah. and split his head open. Oh. Kathy was in the meantime with these others. Uh, they got nothing off her. And uh, they were just going, mobile phone, mobile phone. Kathy was like, mm. I don't have one. But the amazing thing was, uh, there was a guy like Ali G there as well. He had like a tracksuit on and and he was like behind going, yeah, no, they're getting mugged. And then uh, as these guys were running off, this crazy woman, she goes, oi, so the guy stops and he looks back and she says, give me the keys for my room. You don't need the keys for my room. The guy was like, dropped the wow. keys in the road and ran off. I was like, Kathy. Wow. But yeah, that, that was a situation. They were not Colombians. It was, uh, they were new faces in the town. Mm. So we were, we were known in that favela and it was all good. So it was, yeah, just, no, no. It was just purely purely a robbery, purely a mugging. That was all that was. Yeah, we actually, um, in the barrio, we spent two months there originally when I got blood poisoning. Um, and then that, when we got mugged was when we went back. And they, you know, we we knew the community it was really nice. They were actually very good to us. And when right. we got there, they warned us that there were new kids in town. And they were literally kids, you know. Um, I had actually met the one whose name was Johnny Dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Dollar. Yeah, it's so a typical it, Colombian it, name. It was Johnny Dollar's friends that tried to rob us. Um, nice. And, and you, could, you, you could tell their age because they were so shocked that we didn't have mobile phones. It was pathetic, mm. you know. That, mm. you, anyway. They couldn't put me I mean, in the I'm trying to hold you like that and pick you up, but I mean, we're not little people. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, they, oh, they couldn't pick us up. So they're just like, oh, we'll just go through your pockets quickly. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll say it does, yeah. Moving from here, we're going to another place. The, the vibe's bad. So she looked for a room on, on the internet, booked it, taxi turned up. We gave him the address, and the taxi driver looked at us a bit weirdly. 
and he drove around the block and stopped. <laughs> and he went, here's your room. In a city with five million people, Kathy booked a room where we were overlooking our muggers. <laughs> I love you too. I love you too. Isn't that that crazy? Awesome. Awesome. Wow. Um, Good God. I mean, even in that alone, there's so much we can talk about, isn't there? Because you had, you had a really bad situation. I mean, getting, getting mugged like that's bad enough, but you guys had a really bad situation, didn't you? Where you were basically, was it the old Bill were working with a gang and they were, they they did take you at one point, didn't they? Yeah. You're talking about Panama, eh? Panama, that was yeah. it. Yeah. I was yeah, so we, surprised because Panama was, you know, 2013, no, 2014 I was in Panama and it was it was lovely. There was no issue, but I've heard a lot about that place now. Uh, yeah, it's, hey, the way I look at it, it's, I don't want to tar the country because as you know, mm. all countries are cool, man. True. People are individuals. It was a group. I mean, to cut a long story short, I got all the papers I needed. I needed the final paper. I went to the lady. I gave it to her. She went, yeah, you're free to go. She took all the papers and handed them back. I drove off. We got stopped two Ks later by three guys, uh, customs. And mm-hmm. they said, can we have paper B317? And I went, yeah, sure, no worries. It wasn't there. She had taken it. Phone mm. through. Okay, so, I mean, they didn't, we've never been asked that before. They never do. It's either passport or what, yeah. papers or whatever, not this particular. So I was like, hmm. And then immediately they said, uh, take the bike. And they pulled my bike and they put it into a warehouse while we were standing on the road. And then uh, they split me and Kathy up. And then they took me into a room and they said, we want 3,000 US dollars for your motorbike. Uh, that's the only way we're going to release it. So I said, no. Do you know what they did, man? They brought another two guys in and they locked the door. And I thought, okay, this is it. This is where I get the beating. Yeah. So Kathy saved us, man. She she said, can we use the phone and uh, to call her um, about the money, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, um, I said to him, that's fine. I'll pay you your three and a half thousand dollars. And I gave him my bank card, my credit card. And he yeah. said, no, no, we need cash, which I knew anyway. Um, mm-hmm. It was obvious. But I said to him, okay, well, I can't draw out that much cash. I need to phone my bank to confirm it. So can I use your phone? And he said yes. And and they were all pleased with themselves. So I phoned the British Embassy. Wow. (laughs) Who then on his phone, on his phone, so the British Embassy, after I gave him the phone back, called him back immediately. And he knew, he knew they were. And then they were angry. Yeah. But it might not have been a good thing to it do. It was four days then after that. So then we they, they let us go, but they wouldn't let the bike go because they thought something, but they still wanted to try. So we got to a room. As we were standing by our room, these guys came past in a, in a big truck with machine guns checking us out and everything. And uh, Kathy phoned up uh, Greg Turp. I don't know if you know Greg. And, I, um, uh, I've he, seen the name, yeah. He's, he's yeah, commented quite and, a lot. And they organised... They organized the bike and these bikers came and surrounded our room and protected us. Uh, Actually, I was was going to say what was absolutely wonderful is that they were on the phone with us all night. You know, we we were getting threatened constantly. They tried to arrest us when we went out to get food. They they Um, tried to arrest us for shoplifting. 
The whole thing was a total scam. I said to Kevin, but, wait here, we need food. It's dangerous, huh? And then uh, I went into the supermarket, paid for my food. And uh, as I walked out, they said, oh, no, you didn't pay for that. You're under arrest. So what, I the, said, no, the, the receipt the shop the bin, said the that. The receipt from the bin. Yeah, the shop said that. The receipt from the bin said, no, we're not looking for the bin. And it was constant. I'm sorry, I just need to correct something. Greg Turk was the one who was on the phone with us and helping us the whole time. It was gotcha. the other guys that brought the bikers, yeah. Uh, so then what else happened? Oh, so then they came and told us that the there was a criminal gang that had targeted us and that we needed to get out of there. And who were those people? Customs. They were customs. They weren't a criminal gang. Okay, so... So cu- customs had, had decided they, they could make some money out of you. Yeah. Well, we don't really know. It was yes. so weird, Bruce. I, I remember... I followed, yeah, I was following your your, your postings on, uh, I think it was Facebook or Insta. I think it was yeah. Facebook, yeah. I was, I was following the postings there, and it was just like, what a roller coaster. I mean, God, I don't know about you lot, but I was shitting it, and, and I felt exhausted when you got out, you know, when you finally got free from it. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it took us a long time to actually get over it. I bet. Yeah, I, I bet. I think we were a little bit... I agree. Yeah, is that is that the first time anything to to that degree has has happened? You know, anything that's that's been is protracted. We find ourselves in situations when you're when you're overlanding, where it's like an instant oh oh shit moment, isn't it? But generally, you get out of it and you can move on. But I, I've I've never had anything certainly last days like that. For me, yeah. the worst thing for me was Mauritania being taken and yeah, and, and held, but. It was just the same, similar to what happened with you. It was just a gang were working with the police, and when we got to the Rosso border, the um, basically the police sort of handed us over to a gang, and they they took us. It was me and this um, South African chap, Robert. They took us to a like a concrete room and kept us for a few hours. Did the good cop, bad cop thing to try and get as much money out of us as as they possibly could. And you know, I think that in total, that was probably about four hours, five hours. It felt like a a month, but it was only four or five hours for you. Like that that went on for days, didn't it? What you had? Yeah, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think it was the extent. It was the four days. It was mm. a nasty, nasty situation. And I mean, wow. actually, when they came and said you've been targeted by a gang, you've got to leave. They, they brought an armed truck and they saw us to the border and uh, they, I mean, we didn't even do our stamps and all that business. It was just go. Um, oh. So, you know, they got us out of there. But So it, it's all a bit of a fog when things um, like this happen, mm, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I just want to point out, you know, it's not the group of guys, the people that got us out were actually working for the Panama government. They were the military, the Adawan, the mm-hmm. police. They were absolutely fantastic. Were. Yeah. So it was, even though these guys were with the Adwan or, you know, um, I, you know, they, they were real. They were working for the, the people, but they were a little bit dodgy. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, but it was the Panamanians that eventually got us out in the end. So, you know, nothing against them at all. No, nothing. Absolutely. We're, yeah, we're yeah. going back anyway, Bruce. We have to go back to get through, yeah, through the Darien. Yeah. Through Darien. I was going to say then, we, we'll move on to that. So the Darien Challenge. Basically, anyone that's listening, if you've never heard of the Darien Gap, it's a 
It's about 100 miles, isn't it? If you, if you imagine yeah. a road coming from North and Central America all the way down, well, there's, there's a road called the Pan American Highway, which effectively links up the whole continent. But there's a little stretch of about 100 miles that's impenetrable jungle, isn't it? It's, they've not connected that bit yet, and it's known as the Darien Gap. So that's the bit when you're travelling that you either fly over or you jump on the boats and, and do like a five, four, five, six-day sort of highway if you like you you just jump use the sea basically to do it um but you guys you were going to um ride it weren't you we are going to now we'll never give up on that one um yeah it's uh basically it's 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 a complex situation because you've got the farc rebels Mm. you've also got militia um you've got people smugglers and you've got drug smugglers and you've got the kuna traditional indians and then other indian tribes so and the, what, CIA the first thing that we had, to... <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, and those guys as well. But the the thing is, you need to get all the permission, and we were so depressed because we actually got it. We got a letter wow. from the head of the Darien, uh, the governor of the Darien, um, wow. uh, allowing us to go through. We uh, sent a deposit to the Kuna Indians. Uh, we're still talking to the guy. He's organized the boat for us. We need a canoe and we need porters because we need to go up a 3,000 meter mountain that's made of mud. So we need winches for that and we need porters for that. So it will be, it'll be a combination of riding when you can, mm-hmm. uh, winching when you can and carrying it when you can. We've got a section of mangrove. And the mangrove is obviously, you know what mangroves are like, you've seen them. Mm. They're very difficult to get through. So we'll get the bike on a canoe there. Then you get to that mountain. Once you're over that mountain, that's the worst part over. But I mean, to do... um, Then you go into dangerous. Then you go into a Mm. dodgy area before you come out in the south. But I mean, 100 kilometers in like a few weeks, not a few days. Yeah. I I would call it an expedition. It certainly is. But to be quite honest, um, when we were in Venezuela, Spencer actually drove into the Darien through the jungle with a bunch of chaps anyway. (laughs) There was no border there. So he's been on the motorbike. Wow. Um, I mean, mean, there's all sorts of... On Colombia's side. There's all sorts of stories, isn't there, about the Darien Gap that, you know, it's... Well, not stories. It's fact. It, it's used as as a drug trafficking route. There's allegedly there's there's like hostile local people that are in there. There's there's all sorts, isn't it? It's a kidnap route. It's, there's all sorts. But there are a couple of people that have done it, isn't there? There's there's people that have done it on foot. There's a there's Absolutely. one chap that did it. There's one guy did it in a a truck, didn't he? Did he manage to get a, yeah, that, like a yes, an adventure truck? Yeah, there's, uh, um, there's very few people that have actually been through the real Darien. There's, um, yeah. There are different routes to go, and a lot of people go on a boat um, along mm. the coast. There's also a walking route, which is further in, but we have to we do through the centre. The center. And wow. um, Patricia Upton and Lauren Upton. and Lauren Upton were the first to do that in Land Rovers. Wow. In 1970, 70. and then in 1990s again, I think it was. And then Helga oh Pedersen, obviously, in 76, I think, on his bike. And then Lauren took a Rokon. Do you know those bikes? It's like a, no. it's like a fat, it's like really, really fat tires. 
Um, yeah, a Rokon. So it's, it's suitable for them. They've done it. Um, look, Bruce, obviously people cross the Darien because, mm. you know, immigrants are doing it, smugglers are doing it and that sort of thing. But it's a case of, uh, because we're circumnavigating every continent, I don't want to cheat and leave again. So I, if, to me, it feels like the Darien is, is you've got to go through it. If you yeah, get that yeah, style yeah. rat boat, then you haven't circumnavigated every continent. You we, can tell people you have, but you haven't. We already yeah, went yeah. through the the whole of the Amazon. We went through the centre anyway. So, so oh, we did, we no did You'll do this, no props. Now, how's this one, Bruce? We did the world's longest detour. We, when we got to Venezuela, because Venezuela is closed, eh? When we got to mm. Venezuela, we had to get to Colombia, and that would have been our circumnavigation finished. It was yep. 200 kilometres from Bogota. And we spent three weeks trying to get our bike through, but they don't allow vehicles for the last five years. So we could walk through. But I needed a tyre So um, if we were going to go back. So I went over and I bought a tyre in Colombia, but you're not allowed to bring new products into Venezuela. So I put it in a, in a, in a ditch and I covered it in mud and I gotcha. walked across the bridge to customs <laughs> and the Colombian said, excuse me, man, you've dipped that brand new tyre in a ditch and you're trying to fool us. Go back. So I was like, all right, man, it's worth a try. And I went back to Venezuela and there was a guy with one leg and he came up to me and he was like, hopped up to me. He was like, I can, uh, I can smuggle that for you. I was like, how are you going to smuggle it for me? And he said, no, I'll go under the bridge. I'll hop through. He didn't say hop. I'll, um, I'll go through the jungle. I'll go through the river and I'll come out the other side. So I was like, cool, man. So he stuck it over his, over his neck and he hopped off. We went back to Venezuela and he came up on the other side, like, yeah, like this. And he had my tire and he was waving oh to the God. Colombian customs and everything. <laughs> so anyway, the, re the reason for that was we needed a tire because we were doing a 12,000 kilometer detour because we had to go all the way what? back. 12,000 kilometers. 12,000. Yeah. Jeez. And then we went all the way through the whole of the Amazon, the center of the Amazon on the BR319. It's called the ghost road because they built it in 1976 to join Peru and, you know, try and get trade with Brazil. But they never, ever fixed it after that. So it's just potholes joining potholes and there's trees and mud. And mud. Um, do you know Lisa, wow. Lisa and Simon Thomas? That's yeah. where Simon uh -huh. Thomas broke his back, where he fell off a bridge. Uh, Did he? Like I didn't 25... know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He broke his back, man. Um, there's like 25 bridges and they're these wooden rickety bridges. When we went, they'd been fixed. But when Simon and Lisa went there in a bad way and he fell through uh, one of the bridges on his motorbike and on the impact on landing, he broke his back. So oh. um, Lisa had to tow, tow him out. So, yeah, th this is an incredible road. It's like he's OK now. You've met him. And he hmm. recovered. He wasn't paralyzed because it didn't break the central nervous column. Obviously, it, it cracked the vertebrae. But that's right. a broken back. Um, but, yeah, this road is unbelievable. It's 880 kilometers of... It's Nothing. I bet it is stunning. Slots and absolutely amazing. But on that route, oh. I got a lot of a slap on the back again, on the back of the head, because <laughs> I, 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 I had malaria and uh, I didn't know it. But every day we were riding through the Amazon, I was saying to Kathy, Kathy, I feel a bit sick. She was like, I need a real man, not a wimp. You know? so, <laughs> so, was, so I rode I wrote, <laughs> I wrote for two weeks with malaria. And then when we arrived in was it Peru? Peru. We arrived in Peru. I just collapsed in the street. And then this like traditional healer dude with long hair and everything came and he rubbed this 
lotion all over me and I felt really cool. And uh, yeah, I went to hospital there five days with malaria and Jeez. then off we went again. So yeah, but the Amazon was amazing. But malaria Bloody makes you feel hell. very, very tired. Yeah. I, I had, um, I got dengue fever. I remember getting that. Oh, wow. And, and sort of coming through, I think it was Indonesia. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't pleasant. Definitely not, not nice. And by, it's very by similar the time to I, malaria, isn't it? I, I just felt, I mean, I just felt totally wiped out, totally wiped out. And I, I had that sort of fatigue. To be honest, I don't think that fatigue's ever left me. But I remember for a good couple of weeks in Indonesia, I just felt, you know, just done. Like I wanted to sleep and it was coming out all ends. Yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> it wasn't pleasant. <laughs> yeah, um, no, absolutely, man. I mean, I, it's it's like it's the headache and i think what you just said you've got no batteries there you've just got no, no. power you're just weak yeah 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 when i uh, when i got I, back I to the up... uk sorry go on no no go, go ahead when, when i got back home to the uk i um i had to for for my old job in the old bill used to carry the gun so you had to you had to get a firearms license you know a, a yearly what? fitness test and I remember doing the fitness test and I failed, I failed the beep test and it wasn't, it wasn't particularly hard for, for us. And it wasn't something I'd ever really struggled with. So I remember thinking, oh, well, I've, you know, I've sat on my bum for the last year and a half on a motorbike. It's my own fault. I'll do some training. And I remember the more training I was doing, the more tired I was getting. And, and anyone that's done the beep test, you know, I was struggling to get to like level three, which is walking. It's a walking yeah. pace. And I thought, well, this isn't right. So um, I, I went to the doctors and just said, I'm not feeling great here. Something's not right. And he, he attached the old heart monitor to me. And it turns out I developed a, an erratic heartbeat while I was th whilst I was away. And he, he mm. said that may be possibly an offshoot of, of the dengue fever. Might have caused it. So who knows? So I got, yeah, I got the, the old zap. And that was it. You know, they, they, they zap you. You know, the uh, defibril defibrillator. Bloody hell, man. Yeah, yeah, they just yeah, stopped there. Just... Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, um, the long-distance travel on the motorbike mm. does give you a bit of wear and tear yourself. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You, you have How... to keep up exercising or doing mm. something, you know, to keep, keep together, because it does. You don't realise it. Yeah. You guys have been on the road. I mean, I know you've been back to the UK a couple of times and stuff, but I mean, how long now is that that you guys have been effectively on the road traveling? The, the first trip started in 2009. Yeah. So that was the African one. Um, but I mean, we, we have been back to England. Mm. It hasn't been constant. So it hasn't been constant traveling. I mean, South and Central took. This trip is since 2016. Yeah, so five years in South America, South and Central. Wow. Um, wow. And then a year and a half or something in England, yeah, um, in in the other in Africa. So it's yeah. a wonderful continent to travel. Everywhere from Australia to here. It's I and I I I don't like to have regrets in life, but I I do. I do regret not spending longer in South America because it was, it was just amazing. The people were so nice. There's so much to see. There's so much, even in the, the bits I did, Chile, Peru, Ecuador, Colombia, there's so much to see that I just didn't, I didn't do. I was just focused. I want to get to the States, you know, I've got to get through. I've got to get through. And I really wish I'd spent 
longer exploring and really getting to know the place. You can go back, but will I? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Gosh, we were there a year and a half and I still want to go back. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> what, what you said about, I mean, white line fever, where, where people mm. just want to cover the miles and that. That's yeah. why I, I have this saying that I, I say every single talk. It's day by day, border by border, nothing lasts forever. And mm. the reason I say that is because that's for the positive and the negative. So if you're having an absolutely amazing day, appreciate it. Um, yeah. If you're having a terrible day, it's day by day, border by border, right. nothing lasts forever. It's going to change. So the good things will change. The bad things will change. But mm. you've just got to keep going. And that's how I always look at it. If we're having a bit of a tough time, I always say, to you, I annoy you. I always go, nothing lasts forever, Kathy. But it's true, eh? You know, so no, it's, 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 a way of, it's a way of getting through um, mm. tough times. And borders, it's like borders. People get so freaked out about borders. Yeah. They get so upset. We love them. You just have to go, right, I'm approaching a border. It's going to take 11 hours. That's life. Mm. If it takes an hour, it takes an hour. And then it's a bonus. But you, you meet really cool people at border. Hey, man, th- this one guy, we went to, we got to the Ecuador border. And uh, he, he said to us, right, okay, we get handed our passports over and that. And he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And he walked across the road. He took all his clothes off. He got a hose pipe, all his clothes off. He got a hose pipe over a tree, got some soap, started lathering himself up, washed himself, looking at me and Kathy all the time. And uh, then he got in this rusted car in the mirror, did his hair and everything, put his clothes back on, came back and was like, okay, I can do your passports now. You're like, okay, wow. a bit of an exhibitionist. <laughs> yeah, everyone was laughing. Yeah, everyone was laughing. But then when we got to the next place, that, so you got the other side of the border, across, yeah. across the bridge. We got there and the guy was in like a Hawaiian shirt and he was dancing and stuff, <laughs> like doing our passport like this. And he said, oh, it was eight in the morning. He said, no, it's lunchtime. Uh, I, can't, I can't do your bike papers yet. I was like, you what? So he, he disappeared. There was one little hut at the border where this woman yeah. was serving a bit of food. And he just stayed there and stayed there. So after an hour and a half, Kathy and I, like every bloody tourist, you get hungry and thirsty. So you're like, okay, we'll go over there. It's his wife. So obviously <laughs> oh, what he business. does is, yeah, he just keeps everybody waiting. If you buy a sandwich and a Coca-Cola, you'll get your stamp. So we had the naked guy, one guy, and this dancing fellow on the other one. Brilliant. Yeah, I was going to say the, the the best borders are those little ones that you go you go to like the really little ones in the jungles or something where it's only a hut or you know right. they they're the best borders. Honestly, you meet characters there. At, at, the, yeah. at the DRC border, um, uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, I went through the middle of there. Everyone goes on the coast, and uh, the road on I had a Michelin map because I don't carry GPS. We still don't have one. Uh, I had a map on me, Michelin map. And I, I went through this route, which was marked, and it disappeared, and uh, it just became a track. And eventually, I had to cut my way through with a machete, and I Seriously? did ten kilometers. Yeah, yeah. I did ten <laughs> kilometers in eleven hours, and I came out to this clearing, and there was like a hut there, and there was a guy sitting there. He nearly fell off his bloody chair. This like six foot four white guy, covered in mud, and I came through. He was like, "Where have you come from, man?" <laughs> and I said, Michaela de, de Zomba. And I heard the sentence that every adventurer ever wants to hear. He said, no one's been through here for three years or so. Oh, no. I was like, yeah, yeah. 
So then he comes to stamp, right? He's got, he's got his uniform and everything. He comes to stamp my passport. I've got the passport here. And it, it dried up like years ago, the passport stamp. So he was like, oh, it's not, it's not working. So he said, don't worry, I'll fix it. So he wrote in my passport, Mr. Spencer Conway is allowed to pass. Wow. I was like, is this going to get me through? Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And it did. And it did. So that guy's probably, probably still sitting there like now, five years later, waiting for the next uh, idiot to come through. But that yeah. was an amazing experience. Man, that's we stunning. This story. Sorry, go on. So go on, Kathy. We went through many little jungle towns, you know, like places that weren't even recorded on the maps and stuff because mm. we were just finding these places. And we were actually in towns where people ran away from us because they had never seen an outsider. It was great. Wow. It was really strange. We, we stopped in this one town and this, this lady put a little table and chair outside for us on a, a little town square. I mean, it was literally a little square and some shops and houses around and that was it. And she put out the table and, you know, she brought us some coffee and she was being very polite. And we said to her, you know, do you get tourists yet? Have you seen any tourists? Yeah. She went, oh, not in 30 years. And just wow. Cracked up she did say that. She said a guy and his wife came here 30 years ago. <laughs> wow. So and the Amazon also, man, is like, it's like those cool films. You'll be going along and you'll see like a, like a shape in the trees. And, but you don't see the people, man. It's really, it's fantastic. I mean, I, I'm not I, saying they had feathers and everything, but it was yeah. like the traditional <laughs> Indians. Oh, I amazing know. Amazing people. That's where the... Sorry, there's this delay. I know, um, no, I know you documented the, the Africa part for the Travel Channel. Are you doing the same for yeah. South America, Central America? Yeah, awesome. the South and Central America one's been sold to airlines at the moment, believe it or not, man. Isn't that weird? Wow. Um, yeah, the, the one that Kathy films. Yeah, um, 18 airlines now. So no one's traveling. No one's going to see my program. I know, I was just going to say, what a nightmare. Yeah, or else they're going to see programs of us getting malaria and getting shot, <laughs> and then they're going on holiday, you know? So yeah. I don't know why the airlines picked up on that. So, yeah, we've got oh. Ethiopian Airlines. Just the weirdest people have, have bought it, yeah. Yeah, I must just I explain part of the filming. When Spencer had malaria in Peru, yeah. he was completely, you know, gone mentally. So they put him in his own did you, room. Did you notice, <laughs> Kathy? Did you notice? Oh, no, not at all. But you know what I did do, Bruce? I left the camera with him. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> that footage must be gold. He did some diary, diary kids. I can't wait to show you. <laughs> listen, Bruce. Listen, she's she when she got food when she got some blood poisoning in in Colombia. She was she called me in, and she was like, "Everybody here is South African. That family over there, that sick guy over there, that guy. I don't, and I don't like any of them." I was like, Kathy, there are no South Africans here. Never mind, I am South African. I don't know why. You're in a Colombian hospital. And then the next time I went to visit, she wasn't there. So I said to the nurse, where's Kathy? She said, oh, I don't know, man. She's gone for a walk. So, so I was like, she, I went, she said, I'll help you search. It's a big hospital, eh? So we walked down and we found Kathy in this random room pulling these two drips along. 
going, I'm not going back there. You don't know what they do to people. <laughs> I was like, Kathy, it's the morphine. It's the morphine. You need to pull yourself together. But she was on a drip for a month, eh? Jeez, were you? And when I, yeah, yeah. When I went to the, the doctor, said, listen, Mr. Conway, I've got to be honest with you. She's got a 50-50 chance of surviving. I was like, what? what? No, four days yeah. intensive care. Four days intensive care, 30 days on a drip. Every single day, that, two nurses, twice twice a day. Oh, it's awful. And that's why we oh, wow. stayed in, in that place in Bogota for two months, was because it was a bad. Yeah, we don't know how it happened. I had no idea it was that bad. God. Yeah, I couldn't believe it because they were great. I mean, they are unbelievable. The doctors are unbelievable, weren't they? I mean, they saved their life. But when he said that sentence to me, you know, I just thought she was a bit sick. You know, yeah. like you do. And when he said I was 50-50 because blood poisoning is very severe, it goes to your whole wow. body. It's taken a, yeah, yeah. about two years. God. No, I'm going to jump in again about malaria. Another yeah, time on. I had malaria in Ghana. Uh, I've had it five times. But this particular one, I properly was hallucinating. And I was in a hut in Ghana. I didn't bother going to the hospital. But there was this really skinny black woman with an afro, and she dyed it white. And in I thought that she was a giant cotton bud. And I thought that a cotton bud was looking after me. And I was just lying there, like, looking at this, this woman bouncing around. That's how tripped out I was. And, Whoa. yeah, five days on that. I couldn't even get up, man. Sorry, viewers. But I had to turn around on the toilet so I could take the lid off the system and vomit in it and poop oh. at the same time. Oh, and then I'd no. fall asleep. Then I'd fall asleep on the floor of the toilet and then crawl back up there. And that, that, that was how bad that one was. But the other isn't, malarias I loved. Isn't traveling fantastic? <laughs> I, actually, Bruce, I like malaria. It's, it's a very strange disease because it changes your, the, the way you think. And I found it really, really interesting. Um, in what way? Like, in, in, in what way? Because you're not really there. You're kind of like you're hallucinating, but you're having very strange thoughts. And I've, each time I've had it, I found it really interesting. You, I'm not saying you philosophize, but hmm. you kind of think think a little bit differently. So the headache, I'm used to it now, you know, and you just lie hmm. in bed. So, yeah. I'm, I'm supposed to be putting people off it, but I, I quite like malaria. <laughs> well, where he gets philosophy mal- from? Because if you hear what he talks about, I don't know what the philosophy comes into. <laughs> okay, the, the philosophy is in my head. Then, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> malaria. Once you, if anything happens, I get it. So. Once you have malaria, you never get rid of it, don't you? It's it's with you forever. Is that not right? Then, yeah, it can lie dormant. I, I, yeah, definitely. I was uh, doing some construction work in, in, in London uh, after the Africa trip um, to mm. make some more money, obviously, and teaching in the evenings. And uh, I was just driving one day to a site, and I just said to this guy, I feel rough, man. Mm. And uh, and, and I'm, I'm quite tough, really. And I just said, I've got to go to hospital. And I went mm. to hospital, and I got malaria in Tunbridge Wells. So, <laughs> well, I didn't. It was a relapse. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 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 it lies dormant in your body. And if you get worn down or run down or uh, whatever, you know, it, it can attack again. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'll always have it. Yeah, my dad my dad got malaria. They lived, my mum and dad lived in Nigeria before I was born. They lived out there for a couple of years and my dad got malaria. And I, I always remember that from my dad, like 
my mom always saying, once you get it, you've always got it. He's he got pleurisy yeah. as well, funnily enough. Yeah, <laughs> he's had that as well. Uh, bloody hell! Yeah. What was your, what was your dad doing in Nigeria, workman? He was working. Oh God! Now that would have been. That would have been the late 60s, 70s. I can't remember if that was oil or if it was construction, but he's a, he's a quanti- okay. he's quantity severe. So I don't know if it was in the oil or if it was in some sort of construction out there. Probably oil, I would I, think. But um, yeah, they moved from amazing. that. Yeah, they loved it. You know, both him and my mum both loved Nigeria at the time. Um, really loved living there. But then mom fell pregnant with my brother and she wanted him to be born back over in the UK. So they yeah. came back to where well, they, they were living in Blackheath, I think, or, or Camberwell. Oh, yeah. They came back, they came back here to, to have my brother. And then the, um, the M8 motorway kicked off. So my dad was involved in that in Presswick airport. So they moved up there and then the oil kicked off in the North Sea. So my dad was involved in the St. Fergus gas terminal and all the oil, offshore oil rigs. And then I came along. So you know, that was it, you know, <laughs> that was well, it. Sort of we just, we just watched an oil rig disaster movie yesterday. Oh, what one's that? What was it called? It's with Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Did you see oh, yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's about I don't the, think I've seen it's it. the truth. It's the true story about the deep blue, um, deep blue horizon. Deep blue. The, uh, yeah. the oil rig off. I think it was off the north of Scotland, wasn't it? No, I'm not no, sure. I, anyway, uh, so deep did, blue you horizon, your, that... did you get your Mexico? It was off the coast of Mexico. Yeah, but it was hectic. The whole thing burnt down. But to change the subject, did you get the travelling bug from your from your folks then, from your parents? No, no, I don't think no. I don't think I did. I mean, my dad's. Looking back on it, maybe because my dad's, my dad in the oil industry has always worked all over the world. But he's he's just he was a contractor, so he'd, you know, he'd be in Iran for four years, home every sort of three months. He was off on the rigs, so he's home every two or three weeks. Uh, he's worked Russia, Norway, uh, Kazakhstan. He's, he's worked all over the place, Africa, but. Um, it, that it never got connect- into your head. And yeah, heard him talk. yeah, maybe it did. It's it's not something I'd ever thought about that it was because of my dad. But maybe maybe it was. Maybe that is. Mm, don't know. Well, Bruce, if your if your parents sit in one town their whole life, they will be talking about that one town, won't they? True. But if they've travelled or something, you're going to hear snippets of conversations about other countries and other things, and like yeah. sow a seed in your head. I mean, my my, mom, my parents definitely always, they always travel. Did they? My mum was the my mum was the traveller or she was the wannabe traveller but hadn't really done it. You know, she always said that she yeah. thought she had gypsy blood because she she always had that feeling that she she wanted to go somewhere and she wanted to be on the move all the time. Yeah. So I, I always assumed I'd got it from her. I don't know. I don't know. Um I've just realized we've answered yeah. one question in an hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> no, mate, it's awesome. I've, I've been loving the conversation. <laughs> but uh, okay, Clive, so we try some thanks more for that question. Then. Get back right, on let's, track. Let's see if we can get through a few. Let's see how we get on. Right, next mm-hmm. one. Dave Watrick, question for all. Has there ever been a point on your travels where you've gone, oh, shit, I'm in over my head here? I know you world travellers are a breed apart for calmness, but everyone has a limit. Now, we've touched on quite a bit of this. Is there anything that really sticks out where you've thought, oh, maybe I've overstepped the mark here? 
It's a difficult one because, uh, as you know, There's Bruce, so we're pretty stupid, eh? And 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 we we go on really bad roads, and we we try and pick dodgy places, and we go to dodgy places because it's it, it's interesting. So um, in over our heads, yeah. I at once for me, this is my personal one. We were riding mm-hmm. uh, to Pisa Road. That's from the Salar uh, down south, and it's only sand. And I'd had too many beers the night before. And that's the only time no. I've ever driven like like that. No, no, honestly, in my whole life. And yeah. I regret that day uh, because I came off twice and I shouldn't have come off. Um, mm. I nearly did my knee in. So, yeah, I always remember that. Kevin said I wasn't, but I, I know that I had a hangover and it wasn't correct riding. We were going through a river of soft, fine sand and hitting rocks underneath it. So everyone crashes on that road. Anyway, that's a funny answer to his question. I mean, obviously, I mean, you've got the kidnapping and when I got shot in Kenya, et cetera, et cetera. But, but, you know, it's, it's difficult to regret anything, but I regret that stupid move of having those beers with that guy. What's his name, that English guy? You're in trouble. I can't remember his name. Lauren Tom. Lauren Tom. No, um, no. The thing is, though, you know, when you're traveling, you you face certain things. You you will always face something. You know, yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter which sort of, but you quickly forget about that. You know, I mean, with all the stuff we've been through, I would go and do it again and again and again and again. I mean, I, I've got no. I actually don't have any regrets. No, there's nowhere that I actually felt. Awesome. We were. Um, because you're waking up and you're going over a hill and you don't know what's going to be there. You don't know who you're going to meet. You're not going to work where you're meeting the same people. Hi, Bob, how are you yeah. doing today? I'm fine. Yeah. Where everything is the same. Every stimulation is the same. It's the same car you get in. You go at the same time. So, of course, it's an addiction. And we found that um, one of the cameramen actually wrote to me eight years ago and said, I think you've gone a bit feral, and I, I took it as a bit of a, I took it as a bit of an insult. But in a way, it's kind of true, Bruce, because when we went back to the Overland, um, I was presenting at the Overland the year before last. We both struggled, man. Um, it was from the kidnapping. It, it was like we had the kidnapping, and then we were and we were never with people. That's another thing we we like to go to places. There's no one, and yeah. it was too much. 350 people asking you questions and that. And yeah. I actually had like a panic attack, which is very unusual. Uh, and it was just like being the center of focus, whereas yeah. before you were just off, just dealing with things and enjoying them. So I, yeah. I, in a way, you know, people say, oh, you travel, it must make you so sociable and more accepting. And I mean, yeah. sometimes it can twist the other way and mm. you become more insular. I'm not saying I don't like people. I love people. But I think to us, it's uh, motorbikes and nature and animals. We are very, very hooked on. Uh, Unfortunately, people don't want to watch animal documentaries. They're (laughs) 10 of any. No, I mean, people, there are proper companies that do it amazingly. But that's our our motivation. So, yeah, we've all sort of got less friendly in a way, which is kind of strange. But then, you know, like the Overland, the the sort of the Overland – festival type thing the overland event the hub everything like that it, it is very much a it's a really social affair isn't it you know it's it's a weekend everyone is is pumped for it everyone's 
everybody has been following whatever adventure you've been on. Everyone wants to come up and chat with you. So it's it's sort of, I was, I was going to say the pinnacle. The pinnacle's the wrong word. But it's it, you've got the two extremes. You're... What, where you normally are, where you're by yourselves and you know, you're know you not surrounded by a lot of people. And then you've got an event like that where everybody wants their piece of you, don't they? They all want to stand and chat and tell you their story. And so yeah, that's got to be hard to deal yeah. with, the two extremes. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. It was a shock. And I mean, the, the a, I'm headlining the ABR and I think there's 3,000 mm. already. But, so, I mean, that's, that makes the overland list look tiny so i might hide away in the cabin and let kathy do it that is going to be phenomenal yeah it's supposed to be a great event but i don't know if we're going to make it man i mean it's Mm. difficult and you know it's money as well you know flights and all that business but we're trying our best to get back for that and the overland nice uh, I I can't make I can't make the overland this year. Sadly, I'm um, I'm away in uh, well at the moment I'm due to be away. I'm away in Scandinavia. I'm doing a, a okay, trip. Are you through, riding or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, doing a trip up through yes. Finland into Norway up to yeah. Nordcap and then back through bits of Norway, then mostly Sweden. But I think it's about eighty percent off road. Believe it or not. So just rugging it, camping what, it. What bike? What bike are you taking then? I'm I'm taking my GS. I'm just taking the tractor. Oh, you are taking it, okay? Cool. Yeah, yeah. Just there's there's me and five lads I used to work with. One of them's um, okay. one of them's an ex bootneck, an ex marine. So he he loves to he loves to do the you know off the grid camp wild. He, he loves doing that. So he's leading it, and uh, I'm tagging along. So should be good fun. Three four weeks, I think we're away for. Fantastic. So Bit of headspace, huh? Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I just I hope it happens. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. But I was gutted to miss the yeah, overland because you know obviously it didn't happen last year, did it? So it's like, well, or, or did it happen last year? I didn't make last year I anyway. Think, I can't... Yeah, they did have one, but it was like, yeah, I think it was about half the amount of people because mm. of the pacing and all that. So yeah, yeah it's a I bit think, of a bummer. This trip. Yeah, it is. I think the last one I went to was when you guys were there. I think that was probably the last one I yeah. did. So yeah, I, I really yeah. I enjoy no, it. Wonderful. I, want to I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I, I love the events. It's just yeah. uh, I was just quite surprised how how strange we were when we went back there. Mm. But I mean, it was the same thing. I think the Panama thing, more than getting shot at in Kenya and everything. Strangely enough, because of the length of time, that was the one that really knocked us. And Central America kind of went by in a bit of a haze. You know, yeah. uh, people ask us about Panama, Costa Rica, El Salvador, etc. We were just kind of doing the going through the motions, and I yeah. think it was when we got here, eh? I calmed down a bit. Mm. But yeah, definitely, definitely weren't focusing on on the enjoyment as much. But it's all yeah, coming back. That. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, wow. Well, you've mentioned you've mentioned the shooting incident. I think I remember seeing a question about that on Instagram. So we'll wait till that. Well, if if we're gonna get there, <laughs> um, I'll I'll wait till that before we go into it. All right, but that's definitely something we need to chat about. Sure. Uh, next question, Kev Parker. Question for all: Is there anywhere on your travels you like so much you would base yourself there permanently if it was possible? Ah, this was written for you, wasn't it? Yes, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, ooh, difficult. Uh, Ecuador, we thought we'd found it, but you know the mm-hmm. difference, again, between travelling and staying somewhere, Bruce, they're totally yeah. different. Um, you, you really need to sit somewhere. 
Uh, and as I said to you, we had that problem with the altitude and we couldn't get the land. And that, when, when you stay somewhere, there's other issues, uh, life yeah. issues, real issues, you know. Um, as I, I don't, I haven't personally found anywhere I want to stop and stay and live in, apart from Swaziland, but that's my country. Um, so, yeah, and I'm not sure how Kathy feels. We discuss it all the time. I mean, Mexico is fantastic, but yeah. you, you'll never tick all the boxes, but I just want to circumnavigate everywhere. There's mm -hmm. no place like home, Bruce. It doesn't matter where you go. Home's always going to be the place. Do you find Do you find the... The more you travel, the more experiences you have, the more appreciation you have for what you have back home, what you've left. I think we're a bit different. In that, I mean, I can't answer for Kathy. I'm just guessing. I, I'm I'm a nomad, so yeah. uh, I'm 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 happy to just keep moving. Um, your opinion? Yeah, I've been moving around since I was a child. So, mm -hmm. yeah. so I, I, I found. You know, I found on my trip, um, uh, you know, some places that I absolutely loved. I, I mean, I really enjoyed Russia. I really liked Japan. I could, I could, I could see myself living somewhere like Japan. I loved it. Uh, Norway, okay. I loved it there. There was lots of places that I thought yeah, I could, I could see me, you know, basing myself here. But it also made me think, my God, we've got it good back in the UK. You know, I. Of course I, I came, yeah. I came back with a newfound appreciation for for what we have and a newfound yeah. tolerance for things that used to really piss me off. And I'd be like, ah, you know what? It's actually it's actually not that bad here. And I definitely find as I get older, I'm I'm being drawn back to Scotland a lot. I just yeah yeah. I'm not surprised. Well, I went to university there. I don't know if you know. Four years. No, whereabouts? Yeah, I went. To, I went to Edinburgh Uni. Yeah. And uh, I loved it so much, I stayed five years. I finished my master's degree. Yeah, I absolutely love Scotland. Absolutely Brilliant. love it. Yeah, good town, Edinburgh. A lot of fun. I had a fantastic time. It's a beautiful city, man. Absolutely yeah. beautiful. And obviously, I went up north. I went traveling. I went to the islands, went to Sky, Oden, et cetera, everywhere. Um, awesome. Every single, every single holiday. Because my mum and dad, obviously, in South Africa. And it's expensive to fly back. Um, mm. you know, during the holidays at uni. So I just used to travel. So yeah, I know Scotland very well. It's an amazing place. But to answer that guy's question, I could live in Chile if it wasn't yeah. cold. <laughs> Whereabouts in Chile then? Uh, I, I, the Carretera Austral. You've been down there, hey? The, the where, sorry? The Carretera Austral, the, the highway that goes down. Yeah, you didn't get that Right down to the south, very right? south. Uh, the, yeah. I went... I went from Santiago north. I didn't. I didn't get south. Yeah, that's right. So you've missed it. It's it's where it's a road where Chile and Argentina you cross the border very frequently. Gotcha. Almost every gotcha. day you can cross the border. But an absolutely unbelievably beautiful place. Oh. Uh, Chris, you know, you know, in the north of Scotland when you've got a beautiful day and it's crisp and clear and you just yep. the, the air just feels pure. Uh, yeah. Chile's like that. You know, you oh. just really feel like you're in a really clean, beautiful place. Actually, Venezuela. And Venezuela. Is it? Amazing. Mm. Amazing place. Amazing people, amazing place. Mm. Yeah, the, the, one of the, the most beautiful country and uh, obviously the most beautiful people. They've had a Miss World seven times in a row or something. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, Kathy and I look like Cosimodo <laughs> when we went there. They're amazing. They're all supermodels. 
But apart from that, they're really nice people inside, man. They're struggling a lot, eh? Um, yeah. Obviously, but it's, it's politics. It's, exactly. Um, it's one I of mean, these places the, that... So go on, go on. No, I'm just saying, if you go into the supermarkets and things, there's nothing. There's just mm. rows and rows of toilet paper. Um, and, and strangely enough, man, you queue for petrol for, say, seven hours. But when you get there, it's free. So the first it's time free. I arrived, he put my, yeah, it's free. He put my 23 litres in. I was like, how much? He's like, eh? No, you don't pay. I was like, oh, okay. He said, no, it's too little. Motorbikes never pay for petrol. So, I mean, it's got this weird thing where they don't have food, but petrol's free. But um, wow. we'll get political for one second. The, the Americans squished them with sanctions. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. But a stunning yeah. country. It's got a place called the Valley of Flowers that drops into uh, San Cristobal. And what they do is they have these, I'm a biker, I'm not supposed to talk about flowers. But anyway, they have these hundreds of different color flowers and they light them up at night. So you're going down a winding mountain road down to oh, this wow. crystal city and they've got all these different colors lit up. Oh, beautiful. You're making me want to travel again. You, you just make me want oh, to sorry, hit the road. <laughs> yeah, no, but, but Venezuela was a surprise because nobody goes there. Um, and uh, it was just it was just such a shock how amazing everybody was. Yeah. We went to a it's gold a town. Uh, it's actually called El Dorado, and there mm. are no police, no law, no nothing. The the diamond guys or the or the local gold people they run the town, yeah. but it's it's really run well. Uh, it's one know, of these places, isn't it? That that Sorry, uh, this delay. It's a pain, isn't it? The delay. Um, Venezuela is one of these places that has such a bad reputation, like Mexico, like, God, there's so many really, especially in South and Central America, that they have this reputation that if you go there, you're going to die. And yet when you get there, they're some of the nicest people you're ever going to meet, aren't they? And they're so welcoming. Like Iran, Absolutely. Iran is, is like that. And uh, Syria, before it was decimated, had the same reputation. So I was somewhere I really wanted yeah, to I mean, go Iran, to. People, people are always criticizing Iran mm. and how dodgy it is and everything. And I mean, mm. you've been there, haven't you? Lois has been there. I didn't do No, I didn't get Iran. Oh, you didn't get that? Oh, but everyone raves about it. Yeah. How amazing those people are. And Venezuela's the same. Mm. <laughs> Kathy's I not getting involved. Say <laughs> right, next question. Pete yeah. English. Hi guys, hope you're all fitting well. Question. Hollywood have contacted you and want to turn your fantastic travel story into a blockbuster movie. Who would you want to play your role? <laughs> Woody Allen. <laughs> Woody Allen. <laughs> uh, okay, wow. no, seriously. Uh, Rowan Atkinson. All right. No, <laughs> Mr. Bean. Um, now actually, I'm, I'm going to tell you something funny because uh, I have actually been asked to be in a film, and but it's in Bollywood. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm going in a in a motorbike. I'm a I'm a baddie on a motorbike in an Indian gangster film next year. Spencer, how how did you get yourself in that situation? How did that happen? <laughs> these guys and, and their friends yeah no Bro, we just we, we we made Kathy especially is friends with a lot of the Indian groups and mm -hmm. it just built up isn't it we're just friends with them and then this guy just got in touch with me and he works in Bollywood 
and uh, asked me to be in a film he'd been following us and all that. So I said, yeah, COVID, obviously. And he said, no, no, it's an open thing because they make a film every few days, you know? Yeah, yeah. Spencer, wow. did, a, Spencer did a YMCA photo shoot <laughs> in a construction site in Nigeria. How'd <laughs> <laughs> you do? Yeah, Come on, what's the story with that? Uh, oh, man, this guy, Charlie Boy, he's got his own TV show. He's the head of Pop Idol in Nigeria. <laughs> Uh, he's got a house like the White House. And uh, he heard about me coming there and uh, he got in touch and uh, he said, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'll sort you out. I'll help you with everything. Um, we'll, and I did five radio interviews, five t- TV interviews, and then he said, no, now we're doing a, 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 a modelling shoot. I was like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> so we went to a construction site. <laughs> yeah, we went to a construction site in the middle of nowhere. And they had like caterpillar diggers and that, and they had guys dressed with the hard hats and everything. And then me and Charlie Boy swinging on these caterpillars, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, man, uh, very embarrassing. I did, I actually did some you modeling loved it. for a company. You loved it, didn't you? No, I find it hilarious. I did, I did modeling for a company called Alpha Sales in, in England, in London, and they sell like surf gear. So they're not going to be very successful in London. So I did a modeling shoot for them, and two weeks after my photos out, they went bankrupt. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah. The Conway effect. Yeah, Conway effect, (laughs) failure. I forgot what the question was. Far from it. Uh, Hollywood movie, who would play you? Uh, Oh, Oh my God. Who's going to play you? I'm not in the movie. Yeah, you are, Kathy. Yes, you are. Come on. Um, I don't really watch TV, man, or anything, so I can't even really name anybody. I'd rather be in it myself. I was, I was going to say it's, it has to be Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, but then this they've oh, split thanks. up. They've split up, so you can't have that, can you? Um, okay. Well, God, there's still hope. <laughs> there is still hope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's put same question to you, Bruce. Um, gee whiz, Shrek. Shrek would play me. I'll be the animated version. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent I know um, well, who's that South African adventurer your friend Kingsley Holgate have you heard of Kingsley Holgate the name does a ring a bell but I can't put a face yeah, to jot it jot it down Bruce man it's Kingsley Holgate is so worth checking out man he's, he's okay. like you he's like 6 foot 5 very big huge beard <laughs> uh, inspirational traveller gorgeous yeah, a- amazing, guy. amazing guy, amazing <laughs> guy. He started on motorbikes. Yeah, he started on motorbikes, but now he does Land Rover expeditions. He's doing all the eyesight thing and glasses and glaucoma and injections mm. and traveling around helping people. He's a oh, I'll check a that out. Yeah, yeah, nice yeah. sorry, nice. I didn't want to come into that. <clears throat> no worries. Cheers, Pete. Thanks oh, very much for that question. Next one, Adam F. If another pandemic hit and you had to stay in one country for two years, but were allowed to travel as much as you wanted around that country, which would it be and why? Good question. Ooh. Um, Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, and it just so happens. Actually, I've got to, yeah, no, I've, I've got to agree, Bruce, because obviously I mean, it boils down to a few things, doesn't it? It boils down to money, of course, mate, because mm. we're all stuck. We're all having a tough yeah. time. And quite frankly, to be totally honest, it's a third, a quarter of the price of the UK. Mm. So uh, it's very, very helpful for us because, I mean, obviously, you know, we do magazine articles and things like that, but mm. things have slowed down. And we've been here, yeah, yes. two years. 
And it's been a bit of a godsend because, I mean, I, I like diving a lot. Um, we have a, a beach 100 metres that way and another one 100 metres that way. It's, it's 32 degrees every day. We've got mountains 10 minutes away and we've got the motorbike. Uh, but it's politeness. We, do, we don't really want to travel. Uh, I don't want to pee anybody off. Um, you do. I mean, I had an argument yesterday. You do find people wandering around without masks, tourists and that. Mm. And all the Mexicans are really, really strict and they wear their masks all the time. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want us to ride off somewhere and someone goes, why are you traveling around during yeah. during COVID? So we're yeah, just yeah. going to sit tight here. I mean, we've got a gym around the corner. Um, I've just finished, the se- nearly finished the second book. Um, Catherine's got her new cameras and all that. So we're, we're you know, we've got lots to play with that. So, yeah, so it's, it's into go. It's so, well, th- that brings us on very nicely then to what is next? What happens okay. now then? Sure. It's okay. Same thing. Uh, COVID, but it's uh, down to the Darien, but it's six countries to get through Bruce. So it's looking chaotic. So it's got to be the next continent. Uh, and we're yeah. here. We're here. Yeah. So uh, USA, Canada yeah. and Alaska. So it's another 125,000 kilometers or so. So it should take a year and a half. (laughs) Yeah, all right. Ten years later, you'll still be doing it. (laughs) Man, I'm getting old. So, um, I mean, Kelly's like 10 years younger. I've got uh, to get every continent done. We we sort of need to get moving. But obviously, as it stands now, we've just got to be as flexible as everybody else is and just see what happens. So, yeah, south to the Darien or... North for the next continental circle. Awesome. So, what about Antarctica then? What's that? How are you going to do that? How's that one going to be tackled? You know, there's there's loads of things. It's a little bit like the daring one, isn't it? You need to mm. in, increase everything that you do because you're going to need uh, different clothing. We're going to need different tires. We're going to be have to be well prepared, especially for the cold. Uh, so it's it's a whole new big project. Uh, um, yeah, we've got a new sponsor as well, so they're going to sort us out with all our clothes. Fantastic. Where did we try? Uh, yeah, yeah, we tried to get, when we got to Ashoya, uh, which is the southernmost point, mm-hmm. it's actually yeah. not the southernmost point, so everybody drives there and then they leave and they don't realise it. You have to go a little bit further into the national park. That takes you to the southernmost point, and oh. then actually from there, you can get onto some islands. Uh, we tried to do that to try and get you know uh, sound as we could, but there was no one there at the time that would, that would oh. take us. But yeah, no, in Arctic, Antarctic, wherever we can get the bike, we will go as far as we possibly can, whether there's mm-hmm. roads or not. If it's unfeasible and Kathy's going to die, then we won't do it. I mean, both of us are going to die. <laughs> Kathy's face. Kathy's like, what do you know that I don't? What's going on? Yeah, lots of things. Cliffs. <laughs> Cliffs. Yeah, so, yeah, um, that, that's it. But we can't can't give up on it. And uh, obviously, I mean, I like writing, so I'll have a book for each one. And uh, mm. well, Kathy will be filming for the next series. So, yeah, it should be bloody excellent. I mean, awesome. the, the States, I've been to the States, but only when I was like 16. Um, so, yeah, it should be interesting. And, and to try and find all those dirt roads, that's going to be the bit for me. Because I, I don't want to go down a motorway. It's just not what we do. So it's the worst thing fun. you can possibly do in the States is just sit and do the freeways because 
like uh, my, my wife and I do it. We do road trips now when we go across to the States. So we literally land in an airport, hire a big ass truck and then just hit the road for two weeks with no plan. And we just do all the back roads. So, you know, we're not, we're not doing off road or anything like that, but it's just proper but real America, in. you know, and just, you get to see the real America, the nice little towns and wee villages. And it's, uh, it's amazing. Love it. You miss all that That's when you just sit on the freeway. We have exactly the same philosophy. I mean, that's the thing, like the Pan-American. Uh, there was yeah. one stage where we had to get to Santiago really, really quickly, and we went up the Pan-American motorway. And it was it could have been anywhere. could have yeah. been anywhere. We had two yeah. concrete bollards up the side, and on that day we had to make the progress. But uh, it made me realize, oh, no, this is not what we want to do. Yeah. I went to the States once. Mm -hmm. I got arrested. You did. What did you? What did you do? I did nothing. I didn't have a visa did hit, to walk from one plane to another. Can you believe that? <laughs> what you needed we a visa? Actually did. Yeah, 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 yeah. We turned up, and this was last year when we came back. Yeah, yeah. We arrived. We arrived, and uh, yeah, we both didn't have visas, and we were like there, and then they locked us up for eight hours, man. That's insane. And they were. They were very efficient. Yeah, they are. Everybody, if you go there, you need a visa to walk from one plane to another. Yes, because we were in transit. We were in transit. That, that doesn't make but sense, I mean, does it? One of, it was just one of those very, you know, you get the great guys and then you get the officious ones. And yep. it was just one particular guy who yep. was, I'm Mr. Tough and all that. Uh, and he, he, yeah, Kathy gave him a bloody shouting out. Uh, and yeah, we eventually got out. Obviously, yeah. that's why we were locked up for eight yeah, hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the first place. But, but that was stupidity on our part, man. We should have looked. We should have looked. Do you need a visa for the state? So I mean, it's totally our fault. But it, it was fairly new. Hmm. It was a new thing. Yeah, you wouldn't think you would need one if you were transiting. You know, you're literally no. just doing a layover. Yeah. But oh well. Oh well. Yeah, yeah, we were in the airport for an hour, but uh, it kept us eight. So. <laughs> you live and learn, eh? You live and learn. Last yeah. question for our Patreon. This is from Beans. Here's one for Spencer. I've been following these two for some some time now, and I have a sneaking suspicion that Spencer has been buffing up. If so, I believe his exercises would have been Rocky Balboa-style workouts. Spencer, <laughs> is this true? If so, may I have some tips, please? So you've been working okay, out, Spencer? I know that. I know that is because I read it. It's Ian, isn't it? He's my friend. <laughs> He's being asked. Um, yeah, we got it. Uh, yeah, no, we, we, I've, I've always, I've always been into weight training and motorbikes. I mean, from five years old, I had a bike, and then I started mm. weight training from twelve, then gave it up. But I, I really, really enjoy it, and I do a lot of diving. So we, we've, we've got a gym around the corner, and it's really expensive. It's like six pounds a month. Jesus. <laughs> so, so yeah, we've been doing weight training and and writing, and and then when it opens up, we'll start filming again. So, yeah, no, I, I enjoy doing a bit of weight training. Awesome. I, well, I, haven't, got any, with you I haven't got any tips. <laughs> um, how are you guys the, for time? I think the tip is to go there. Yeah, go to the gym. It's a good start, <laughs> Ian. <laughs> I uh, I used to be a member of our local gym here, just outside Maidstone. And in, I think, two or three years that I was a member, I actually trained there twice, I think. 
And the only reason I went was to use the Starbucks. And it was literally, I just thought, I've got to do something before I get a coffee. So I'll just, you know, I think once I once I actually used the shower and the other time, I think I, I threw some, I think I did some deadlifting. That was about it. <laughs> I thought, right, I'll have my bit of yeah, tiffin cake a, and a coffee. You're a big guy anyway. So. <laughs> That's why I need to go to the gym. I'm, I'm too big. <laughs> Although I've been rowing, I've started rowing this year. I've been rowing. Oh, that's, a, that's great. Right. Yeah, really enjoy. I I got this thing in my head that I was. I, I saw the old um, oh, the Atlantic Rowing Challenge. You know when you row from La, La Gomera yeah, yeah. to Antigua, and I was like, oh, 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 that looks a challenge. So I, I um, I, my neighbour was throwing out an old rowing machine. And I was like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll have that. So I took the roller uh-huh. and, yeah, decided, right, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to train and then I'll row the Atlantic. And uh, I think I've realised how stupid an idea that is now. Uh-huh. We'll see. It might happen. We'll see. We'll see. I think I saw a post of that. Didn't you, didn't you put a post up of that machine? Uh, yeah, probably of the roller. You were going to do exercises. I remember you writing something about needing to get fit or something. Yeah, what what happened was um, before New Year, I just decided. As he opens his beer. Yeah, I know. As as I open a beer, before New Year, I just thought, right, enough is enough. You're a you're a disgrace, proper fat blimp. I need to sort my life out. So I thought, I'm not I'm not going to be like everyone and wait for New Year's Day, the New Year's resolution. Just let's go, let's start. So I just started, and I, I posted up on I think Instagram stories. I'm going to start. I'll post every day that I'm training. If you see that I don't train, give me abuse. Do you know what I mean? Like, make me accountable. So if, if, if people are going, why aren't you training? Why aren't you training? I'll, I'll train then, won't I? So um, it just, it went really well. You know, all of a sudden we had about 30 people that had all tagged, we'd all tagged each other on every day, all, mostly all blokes. We were all like, right, have you yeah. trained? No, right, get your ass out there, train. And it was working really well. But over the time, it's just dwindled away. <laughs> yeah, they start so dropping off. Yeah, so I do it like maybe three, maybe four times a week at the moment. And other people are doing it every day, seven days a week. And then there's others who we haven't yes. heard of in a long time. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I, I go about four times a week. Did I did God. I hear you say that you're in Maidstone? Hmm. Okay, I'm just no. outside it. Yeah, yeah, just off Bluebell Hill. Oh, you've gone. Oh, I'm back. You hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah, just outside yes. Bluebell. Yeah, you, just you, off Bluebell Hill. Just off where? Off off Bluebell Hill. Oh God. Okay. Yeah, my dad's like 15 minutes from you. Oh, is he? You you guys yeah, were Tunbridge Wells, weren't you? You were there. No, no we were in Biddenden. But, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the little, the little village with the t- they've got co-joined twins or something. That's what they were fam- famous <laughs> for. These. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, these two <laughs> these two girls they were joined together at the hip. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, I did yeah. <laughs> and everyone thought Kathy was such a nice person. Yeah, inbred. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, they weren't they weren't inbred. They were joined they were joined at the hip and the shoulder. And uh, yeah, they lived for thirty four years, man. So wow. that's what the place is famous for. Strange. I didn't enough. know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm sort of right there on the bike quite impression. frequently, popping through. Please right, cut, we, it. <laughs> cut it. For you, okay, yeah. I will for they you. Might kill me with can you can you put it can you do the opposite and uh, can you do the opposite and put it on permanent repeat? Just I'll put it in the trailer. I'll put it in the trailer. 
We'll be very just, popular. Just for you. Um, right, I'm very conscious that I've kept you for, for nearly two hours here. Uh, shall we just cherry pick a couple of questions from the... No worries, think, man. We're on, um, we're on Instagram, and I think there's a couple on Facebook. So we just, we'll just grab yeah. a couple off of each platform, and then that will do. Right, so first one over at Instagram, which is at Teapot1Insta. I'll put um, Spencer and Kathy's social links in the show notes as well, folks. So make sure you give them a like and a follow. Tour to Oz. Hello to you all. Wishing you well. We know Bruce's motivation for his trip, but Spencer, was there a catalyst that changed thoughts to actions or was this lifestyle always the intention? Well, we, we covered on that right at the start, didn't we? But... Yeah, no, but I, I can make it very briefly. Yeah, uh, it was being stuck inside offices um, and mm-hmm. teaching and that, and then realizing it wasn't me. Uh, always into motorbikes, always into traveling, and I wanted to be the first person to circumnavigate the whole of Africa, and that was the first dream. And then just went ahead and did it. Uh, I, I just uh, Kathy was working, I was working teaching and construction, and then we saved up, and then. Uh, that was it, really, and then we changed our life. Eh? Yeah. We changed our life. But I mean, before that, yeah, I mean, we've always travelled. Both our families and uh, both our mum and dads are out, outdoor people. My dad's a marathon runner. Uh, he ran for England um, for many, many years, uh, and he's a mountain climber. He's climbed all the main mountains. Um, Kathy's parents also outdoor lifestyle. So, and also in South Africa, of course, it's you're outdoors a lot. My, and motorbikes are religion also. My, my family generally are from everywhere. Um, we're not all from one country. <laughs> um, we've always traveled. I've traveled since I was 16. First yeah. love with Land Rovers, though. It's only now that we're doing that I'm doing motorbikes. All right. Okay. So, so yeah, you're the four wheel Yeah. 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 So, like, obviously the reason you touched on this earlier that the reason you didn't do the sort of circumnavigation of Africa with Spencer was because of your 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 boys your sons so was it was it literally once once you sort of felt right there there they've grown up they can look after themselves now was then it like right now I'm going let's go Oh, yep. nice. Exactly. Yeah we got it's two we got two girls actually but oh, they were <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, they were like 11, whatever, and it wasn't the right time. And then uh, when it all went really well with Travel Channel and all that, um, mm-hmm. we had to pick another spot and, and Kathy chose actually to do South America. It was literally what continent should we do? I never had a massive interest. I don't know why. It just, I don't know why. And then when we got here... Wow. It was just a brilliant decision, and I'm so glad she chose it because Kathy's always dreamt about that. I was going to say, Kathy, what what was the pull for South America then? What what made that the place um, for you? It was everything about South America. I've always been quite obsessed with the continent. I mean, I was mm. living in the African continent, so that's usually the first one people go to. And I loved, I mean, I just wanted, I read all the, the explorers, the old explorers, all those books and, you know, Fawcett and all of them. But, um, yeah, I had an obsession with the Amazon. I wanted to walk the entire length of the Amazon River. That was my original plan. Wow. And then I got sucked into uh, motorbikes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but also, I mean, we both uh, we were both brought up on, on, on books and explorers. Our, our families were obsessed with them. 
Um, so, I mean, I've read every bloody explorer in the world uh, of all sorts. And I just, mm. we both just find it so thrilling. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you guys push the boundaries. You guys sort of take, there's, there's, there's motorcycle overlanders, motorcycle overland travel travelers. There's that, you know, I, I would consider myself that where most of my trip was road. Most of it was tarmac. I did off-road when I had to, you know, just when the tarmac ends or for whatever reason you end up going down that that route and it and it turned into the dirt and and to be honest, they're the most memorable parts for me. But that that sure. part that made up a small percentage of my travel. And then there's the overland travelers like yourselves who actively, as you've already said, you look out for the most remote place, the places where no one goes, no outsiders ever go. That must be phenomenal too. Like you were talking about that, that what? town that you were in where they hadn't seen an outsider for 30 years. That is incredible. Yeah. It, it, it's exactly what you said a couple of sentences back when you said when you get on the dirt roads, it's the most memorable of, mm. of the time. Um, yeah. I mean, we've done 120,000 kilometers on dirt and 40,000 on, on tarp. Wow. So, I mean, we're, pr we're pretty much, we're just on the dirt. Um, obviously, there's certain sections where you just can't help it. You've got to get on a, on a tar road. But it's those dirt roads that all the funky experiences happen because other people aren't using them. Yeah, yeah, true, true. And, and I always find, so go on. I was going to say, but the two of us feel very much at home in the middle of nowhere. And on dirt. Uh, and dirt roads. I mean, yeah. the XT is, everyone hates it because it looks like a, a Transformer sort of <laughs> toy. Uh, but it's one hell of a bike. And, uh, I mean, we've been two up on it now for over 100,000. And it's comfortable. And it's comfy. I mean, people are like, you've got that same seat from 2009. Yes, we do, yeah. because it's fine. Um I mean, I, I understand why people like to play around with their toy and do all these mm -hmm. modifications and everything like that. But to me, it's an example of the Japanese doing something very, very well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a tall bike, though, and, and it's kind of it's strange to handle. I can understand why lots of people don't get on with it. But we're all personal. It's our own thing, you know? And it's yeah, great. Exactly. Originally, I mean, I can pick it up, you see. Um, so the Africa one, I knew I was going off-road. I knew I was going rough. So I knew that I was going to be picking it up. Um, and so I didn't want to go any heavier. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great bike. Yeah. And Kathy loves it too. And she's the best with, like, if, if the tires are off, the pressure off, the engines, she's you the notice. first one. Yeah, yeah, she's just like, stop. It's easy to maintain. It is as well, mm. yeah. Do you and ever ride it as well then, Kathy? Do you do you do you ever swap so that you're riding and, and Spencer goes pillion? No. No, no, no. No, I can't I can't carry Spencer on a big bike like that. No. Mm. I'm I'm I limited. You, when when you're ride, off road, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get yeah she's okay. she likes the uh, XG two fifty and okay. uh, the Hondas as well. Mm. Mm. Throw it around. Throw it around. <laughs> Um, that actually brings us on to the next question. West Cork Wonder. Looking forward to hearing from Spencer and Kathy. Great guests for your podcasts and lovely human beings as well. Yes, mate, they are. Uh, I'm possibly the only rider on the podcast to have been shot at while riding. I think the brake caliper on his trusty 660 took a hit. I met them at the Overland event some years ago and have followed the journey ever since. Cheers, Steve. So this has come up a lot. 
What is the story about being shot at then? Uh, my favourite bit is Laguna's in Maidstone phoned me up, you know them, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, and they said, I've been wanting to say something like this my whole life. So I was like, what's that? And he said, your bike has failed its MOT because of a bullet hole in the swing arm. Genius. <laughs> <laughs> that was mega. <laughs> yes. Um, I, was in, uh, I was in northern Kenya, uh, a place called Moyale, it's the, uh, the border. And uh, they have a convoy because of Somali pirates. Um, right. You've heard about them, obviously. Yeah. So they train in that area. And uh, they were loading up like goats and everything onto these trucks for like three or four hours. So I went to the army and I said, can I go? Man? I don't want to wait for the convoy. And they said, yeah, go on your head, be it. And uh, I drove about 20 minutes, half an hour. I saw these three guys up on a hill. So, you know, in Africa, everyone's so bloody friendly. So I was like, hey, guys. And they just pulled up an AK-47 and just started shooting. What, and opened uh, up at took, you? Yeah, yeah. They took up the back tire came off. Uh, a bullet went through the swing arm, um, uh, sort of hit it, and, but you can see it. The brake calipers exploded because they got hit as well. Uh, and um, I fell off the bike and they came running down the hill. So I got up electric start, but I had no, I had no tire. Mm. So I just rode off waiting, expecting to be shot in the back, nothing. And uh, I got into the, got around the corner. I went into the bush. I laid the bike down and I ran into the bush and I stayed there all night in the rain. Mm. I slept in the bush. And then I walked about maybe 20 miles, 15 miles. And I found a Catholic mission and there was a German priest there. And um, yeah, I cracked up in there. And uh, unbeknown to me, while he got me a cup of tea, he called the army. And the army came. And I had broken ribs, by the way. I didn't know at the time. And uh, the army came and they said, now we've got to go back. And I said, listen here, man. They're not going to be standing on that hill saying, hey, mm. we shot that dude. It was, yeah, yeah. I've slept the night. They'll be gone. So anyway, we had to go back. They were all drunk. It was like, I thought I was going to get shot again. And I was falling mm. out of the truck. And they went around a few minutes and they were like, nah, there's nobody here. And then on the way back, they said, oh, we want to show you something. And I was like, what? And they said, check this cross here. So I was like, oh, what's that? He said, no, this is a Chinese construction worker who was shot through the head last week. So I was like, okay, cool. And the guy said to me, yeah, 400 people have been shot on this road in one year. So oh, Amy. Yeah, I found I found Travel Channel and I said, Look, put it on your website, man. This is a dangerous road, et cetera. And uh, yeah, they, um, sorry, diesel films. And they, it, he immediately flew over and filmed it. And I got interviewed by Kenyan TV and all that business. But they didn't put any of it on TV or the radio, obviously, because of tourism. I understand. Yeah. You know, I don't, yeah. you know, a, a, a foreigner gets shot in Kenya. It's not very good for tourism. So no, I didn't no, push that on. good news. Yeah. And I mean, I, I was actually, I, I was born in Kenya. So, I mean, I, I didn't want to put bad vibes on the country. So I just left it at that. Um, obviously, people know about it over here. But when I was there, I just I just left it and kept it quiet. Um, so, yeah, there were just, a, I think there were just a, three guys just saw a big motorbike, just thought, oh, I'll get some dollars. Mm -hmm. There's no police or army or anybody around. And it was an opportunistic thing. Um, yeah. But once again, my fault, Bruce, man. I mean, I should have gone with the convoy. That's why they have convoys. And that's what I always say to people. They say to me, Spencer, either your stories are not true or you're mad. 
And it's more a case of we go looking for these things. So <laughs> they are all true, and we have we have evidence of it. But it's from bad decisions sometimes. I mean, I've, my decision making has been better since Kathy's been here because she <laughs> makes the decisions. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, that was she stupid. takes the fights with the border officials and yeah, yeah. But, but I think she would have said we're staying with the convoy. Yeah. So uh, it yeah. was just an instantaneous decision because of two hours of boredom or something, and off I went. And they were probably thinking, "Oh my God, what's this guy doing alone?" Yeah. So yeah, stupid. It, it is. It is. Um... Probably interesting is the wrong word, but you know sometimes when you when you talk to people who haven't overlanded, they haven't travelled like that, and you tell them about certain situations, and their minds are just blown, aren't they? And they're like, "What you you went there? You did that? I can't believe you did that!" But to but when you, when you have been that in when you have been in that environment, it's just part mm-hmm. and parcel of it. It's the sort of stuff you do, isn't it? But it's it's always quite leveling, quite grounding to hear from people like yourself when things really do go. I mean, that that could have been obviously fatal, couldn't it? You know, so when you hear yeah. about that, it does sort of stop you in your track sometimes. Because I think, as overlanders, certainly for me, I, I I promote how good it is for people and and how don't believe the shite that you read in the papers and you see on the TV, judge it for yourself. And people aren't always evil the way they're portrayed to be. But there are people like that out there, you know, that there are, there's not many of them, but there are bad people out there. Definitely. And it's, it's, it, it does sort yeah. of, it does set that alarm bell off in your head where you're like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, okay. You got to trust people, but at the same extent you got to, you've got to listen to the little voice in the back of your head you know the when the hair goes up on your your arm and you're like mm, is this the right decision or not you've you've got to listen to spidey senses sometimes don't you well one thing i do want to say it's 22 years and that's three incidents mm. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. true and also true. You, it, i what one of the guys of the overland one of the overland event organizers said to me i don't know why we have you on because you just have these hellish stories and no one will ever ever travel again and you're supposed to be an inspiration but i i my answer is yes um these things do happen but it was either bad decision making or a decision to go to certain areas and we all know perfectly well if you go through a certain area of Glasgow with a stereo and a phone at a certain time of night, or anywhere, racist. Um, Why did you pick who, Glasgow, you, Spencer? Why did you pick no Glasgow? Idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I just just picked it out of there. No, but what I'm saying is, you can put yourself in a situation in any country. Of course you can. Where you're of course you can. Stupid. Absolutely. So I, yep. I I would say the same as what you said is, get people must just get out there because it is it isn't scary. It, it's no. 99.9% of the time you'll be fine and yep. and everyone knows that and and we're all always so surprised how nice everyone is I think. absolutely yeah totally Asked so this a lot you you broke all there Kathy we missed the start of that what what did you say sorry oh, sorry yeah. um, i get asked a lot about safety on the road you know mm. also being a woman and I can honestly say to you, I've never had a moment, not once, in the last five years where I actually felt threatened or uncomfortable or was treated in any way, you know, derogatory or 
or anything really. And they're so polite. Everyone so. was yeah. incredibly polite. Everyone treated me incredibly well. And I mean, we we've sat with really bad people. We've met some really bad people too, you know, as much as we've met some really good people. And mm. we we just you know, maybe luck on our side, but I can honestly say you've got nothing to worry about. It's the problem comes in when you when you are living in a normal social situation wherever you're living and you hear the news and you read the newspapers and the stories. And, you know, I mean, obviously they're not going to come and tell you in the news of someone that's really nice, you know, because it's mm. not a story. It's not news that people want to hear. Yeah. But you know, when you're traveling too and you 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 lose track of that, you you don't read the news, you don't hear the stories or anything, you know, and you just mm-hmm. go to places and you have the most incredible, incredible time. Because yeah. we had one in Venezuela when we were about to go into Venezuela, it was all over the news that you will die if you go into Venezuela. And I actually chose not to go. Um, I wasn't gonna go, Spencer was gonna go on his own. Um but it was the Venezuelans themselves who encouraged me to go in. And it was one mm. of the best places I've ever been to. So, yeah, really, it's all good. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So, I, I didn't, I hope I, I didn't mean to come across negative there with, with yes. what I'd, I'd said. It's just, <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm always advocating getting out there and, and do it, you know, judge for yourself, travel meet people because as you said 99.999% of the time they're the nicest people you're ever going to meet you know and 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 all the shit that you read about and you watch on the tv it's utter bollocks to to sell to sell whatever it is and follow follow their agendas but let's not get political but there is always that chance but as you said spencer Geez, I, I got I got almost bike jacked in London on my way to work. You know, it's these things can go. happen. You know, wherever what you happened? are, they tried happen. to grab they tried to grab the bike. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've chatted about it on here loads. But I was just sat I was sat at some traffic lights right next to Big Ben. Sat at a red traffic light, and um, the old two up T Max scooter came up behind me, and a Jixa six hundred pulled in front of me like that. You know, to block my path. And the guy on the, the front bike looked straight at me, saw my camera that I had on my, my helmet, saw that it was blinking, waved, turned to the, the two guys behind and shook Ooh. his head, and they went straight through the red lights and off they went. But it's boom. Like that. And that can happen anywhere. It can, you know, it can happen anywhere. You can get knocked over by a bus, can't you? These these things no, sure. just happen. Yeah. So you think the camera actually saved you there then, eh? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think probably. I don't know. You know, it happens so quick that by the time you think, oh, well, oh, this isn't good, boom, they've gone. It's, they've moved on. So, oh, well, who yeah. knows? Who yeah. knows? Uh, right. Let's have a little look. I don't want to get bogged down there. Let's move to Facebook. Uh, who do we have here? So, I'm just trying to cherry pick a couple of questions because I'm worried about it. Right. Uh, Benjamin de Guilio, this is so cool. My question to Spencer and Kathy is, what's the worst mechanical failure you've had on the Yamaha and how was it fixed? I think it was when we were traveling through Brazil and we had really bad fuel. Mm-hmm. It um, made our engine, you know, sorry. Thinking. Pinking, apparently. <laughs> P- pinking. 
<laughs> yeah, no, the, the, a lot of the fuel in Brazil is very bad. Um, yeah. So uh, on occasions we had to clear it completely. Um, and even like, you know, when you sometimes have water damage and you take the, the spark plug off and you pump it all out, it fires all the water out. Yeah. We had to do that a couple of times and it actually solved it. Uh, biggest wow. mechanical problem is right now the crankshaft and the bearings. Wow. So how are you getting that fixed? Uh, Craig Clary Clinch, I don't know if you know Craig. Mm -hmm. yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Uh, huh? he's, yeah, he's sorted everything out and it's in the air as we speak. Um, awesome. So I'll fix it. I'll be fixing it in the next few days. So yeah, as usual, bikers helping out again. But yeah, of course, that's the that's the biggest thing. So you you are obviously very mechanical, Spencer. Do, is that something that you've taught yourself on the way, or were you were you mechanically minded before you set off? No, I'm not. I'm not actually a very good mechanic, Bruce. I, I can keep the bike running. <laughs> right. Yeah, I can keep the bike running, but I mean, I do use mechanics sometimes when you, we can't carry all the tools no. that we need. No. I mean, all the simple stuff. I mean. Changing the um, Kathy changes the bearings on the shocks and and uh, we do the oil, the coolant, the, we do the tires. She can, you can Kathy can do most things that I do, but it's all I the basic feel such a fraud. <laughs> Why is that, man? I, I can I can fill up with fuel and I can put air in my tires. Spare it. Well, you're not a fraud because you just admitted it. So yeah, no, I, I I I kind of got it because I was riding from very young in South Africa. Most people have bikes from very young. Um, so you, you, it just comes, doesn't it? You just pick it up as you go along. Uh, but I would, I'm in no way an expert mechanic. No way. Um, I, sorry, I just, I just clocked a question here, which I've got to ask. Wayne Kinsey, <laughs> since Spencer has now become a supermodel, but is getting on a bit, is he considering uh, having any work done? <laughs> Okay, Wayne. <laughs> Wayne, you can piss off. <laughs> um, why is it? Does he does he not like my lines? No, I don't give a shit, man. I don't. I, I have never owned a hairbrush. Have you? Correct. Yeah. So I don't give a shit. Never, never. I've never brushed my hair. Never. Twenty five years I've been with her. Um, I, I don't give a stuff about clothes. I don't give a stuff about what I look like at all. It's the lowest awesome. priority on my list. So, Wayne, I'll leave it to you, man. You go have the Botox. <laughs> um, right. What, what was that, Kathy? <laughs> no, I've got to spend all the money on Kathy's Botox, so I can't afford mine. <laughs> You're a brave man. You're a brave man. Yes, uh, I know. I've just seen... <laughs> The last question down at the bottom here on Facebook is from Greg, Greg Turp. And all he's saying is, should be oh. another good show with those two characters. I only want to know when they are stopping by. Oh, in Greg's area. Well, Greg, as we said earlier, it's the next circumnavigation is, uh, is your way. So thanks a lot, man. We'll, we'll be around to see you and Melanie for sure. Awesome. So if people want to follow your adventures, where do they go? What do they do? Okay, uh, we're in the process of finally, after 10 years, setting up the YouTube channel. So we're <laughs> catching up with you. We're catching up with the rest of the world. So really, at the moment, it's only Facebook, Spencer James Conway. 
and then Instagram, Spencer James Conway with a little line in between it, and my mm-hmm. website, uh, spencer-conway.com. So that's got like the Africa programs on it and the YouTube clips and uh, interviews and that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, we're opening a, a company, the number 10 Spanner company, um, which is is going to be nice. We've just started. Uh, I like so that. I like the logo. Oh, thanks, man. Well, well it's S S and C is Spencer and Kathy, but it's also yeah, yeah. Spencer Conway, but it's also gotcha. Spanner Company, and it's also <laughs> because the bull's horns is like moving forward in life, and right. handlebars of a bike. So yeah, I like it, seriously, man. Oh yeah, hmm. jeez, you're going so, all in. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is our company now from now on. So um, fantastic. Yeah, we'll, we'll, We'll be sorting out stuff like that. so. That's the other two projects: is the YouTube channel and get the, the company running. And so, when's the YouTube channel up then? And, uh, oh, it's going to be a few months. We're also having problems here, man. The, the internet's absolutely horrific. Yeah, I mean, even sending photos and things. Oh, it's hmm. a nightmare. So that's what we're struggling with at the minute. But yeah, that's that's what's in the pipeline. Cool. When you get the YouTube channel up and running, let me know, tag me in it, and I'll I'll promote as much as I can, okay? Oh, thanks, Bruce. That'd be great. No and, man, you're no doing worries. such a fantastic job. It's really good to see your, your business growing, man. You're getting loads of people out. Well, it's, yeah, the the podcast seems to be doing well. It's it's got a very it's got a very niche audience, but those who like it seem to really like it, which is which is yeah, awesome. And absolutely. you know, I get a chance to chat with people like yourselves, so it's it's great. Oh, I know it's it. great fun, man. No, absolutely, yeah. and yeah, anything we can do to help with anything, Bruce, you just let us know any time. Awesome, guys. Well, folks, I will put all the the links to um, Spencer and Kathy's current socials. I'll put them all down in the the show notes if you listen to the podcast. And if you're watching the vid on YouTube, look at the vid description. They'll all be there. Well, guys, I don't want to take any more of your your evening up. Thank you so much for for coming on. I've loved every second of catching up with you, and I I can't wait to do it in person again. Cool. No, hey, thanks a lot, Bruce. And yeah, I hope the listeners enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, man, keep it up. And we're going to catch up for a real beer over Definitely. that side at some point. And if you go through wait. the bin, then pop in and say hello to my dad. He's a cool guy. <laughs> I will. I will. Let me know and I'll, I'll swing him by and say hello. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. All, All right, right, guys. Dude. You look after I... yourselves. Thank you oh, so much. You too. Thanks Pleasure. for having Pleasure. us. Folks, I hope you've really enjoyed this one. It's been an absolute pleasure catching up with the guys. If you've never, ever heard of them before, I'm sure you're now addicted. So make sure you follow down in their socials. The adventure is, is by no means over. There's a lot more to come there. All right, folks, keep on doing your thing. Keep on looking after those that you love. Get on out there whenever you can and live your life. Awesome, guys. Thanks so much, man. Cheers, Bruce. Take it easy, man.